we might have to leave Mark's post for next time. Yeah. This is a big one. This is a big topic. Yeah. I mean, it's it's super interesting, and I'm glad that he found that conversation from last week interesting and has some input into it, because I'm interested to see what mm. he says too. Mm. But it, this, it feels like a uni reading that needs to be summarized. Yep. <laughs> No, this is really good stuff. I mean, I, I love all this kind of thing. I mean, why people collect all these odd little bits mm. and pieces. I mean, it'll go into yeah why I collect, not mm. really collect, but, yeah. you know, Mad Balls is a thing for me. Yeah. You know, it's these tiny inconsequential things that seem to connect with us for whatever reason. Yeah, and then... even more redundant than laser discs. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and yeah, and why we do it. Um, uh, I watched that video that you told us about last week. Oh, and Nintendo Arcade. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, definitely well worth watching. So I really like what Mark's written here, but we're not going to get into it, this this podcast. That's all right. You'll understand. Also because there's so many other things yeah. to talk about. Now, Brianna's made some muffins too, if you feel like a muffin. Oh, I had one before. It was very nice. Hmm. Do we want a muffin before we start? Before we start. Oh, you can have it in between or whenever if you want. Do you want one now? I kind of feel like a muffin. Okay. I'm feeling feeling very muffiny. <laughs> Are they special muffins? Have they got certain, you know... Oh. Are we oh. going to be, like, just laughing constantly throughout this entire podcast? Oh. No, no. No. Okay. What do you take me for? What do you take Brianna for? <laughs> Brianna, he thinks you smoke drugs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of my own family. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Game the System Podcast Episode 8. A podcast about the people that play and all things gaming, retro, arcade, modern, pinball, board games, and anything else we think is fun and interesting. It's 19th of April 2018, and my name's Mark Bell. My name's John. My name's Matt. (laughs) We accomplished something today. Yay! (laughs) We did it normally. How is everyone? Good. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I knew that would throw you guys, so I just had to throw it in there. Let's go straight into reader feedback, shall we? Uh, first one is Fiona Bell on Facebook. Oh, wow. I might know this person. Who's Fiona Bell? Yeah, I might be familiar with this person. <laughs> Intimately familiar. <laughs> uh, she asked, favorite game and watch game? Oh. oh. It's wow. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. Yeah, I think so. Just straight away. Yeah, yeah. Straight into Definitely, it. Definitely, yeah. Which Donkey Kong? It, oh, the, the first one. I mean, it's just called Donkey Kong. The orange one. The orange it's one. green one. Clamshell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That is a good game. In fact, I like that game more than actual Donkey Kong. Uh, What's the difference? Oh. Oh, it's completely different. <laughs> yeah. Cause... Arcade Donkey Kong and Game & Watch Donkey Kong. Right. Yeah. Completely different. How so? Just... Graphically or uh, graphically gameplay, Matt, you'd know it better than me. Well, there's only 
the barrel stage is the first problem. Okay. Oh no, but even then at the end, you don't just get you don't you're not just climbing up to the top, you've got to mm. activate the crane, mm. right, and jump on the thing and pull you take you pulling the ground, you're doing something to make him fall down mm-hmm. rather than <laughs> save the girl or whatever. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. There's no girl. Is the hammer I still in? I think there? so. There's no hammer. No. You can only jump in some places. It's quite different. Is there any chance that people listening don't know what a Game & Watch is? I can't imagine so, but maybe. Hmm. Game & Watch, I mean, what, it's the... I Is it the original LCD game? No, I'd say there was stuff before that. Maybe there was stuff before that. But I imagine this is most Australians' first contact with Nintendo. Yeah, it was mine. Yeah. Certainly. Hmm. Um, but when, when talking about Game & Watch as a genre, I think we can include all LCD games besides not just Nintendo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. What about you, John? Um, I don't think I have enough exposure to choose one hmm. because I actually remember um, the Donkey Kong a little bit. Um but you young I don't think I don't you. think I could even name one other one. Hmm. The only other one I remember, as per previous conversations, is the juggling guy with the oh, three right. balls. Yeah, and um, yeah. What's but, that one called? Ball. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> it's called. I ball. believe it's one of the first ones. So yeah, I, I don't even know how I would have played that, or I can't remember. Hmm. But um, okay. Yeah, I remember the game. That's mm. and that's yeah. So too young. Out of those two, <laughs> I mean, I'd ch- probably choose Ball. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, it's got the best name. Uh, for me, it's probably well, it's not probably. It's definitely Greenhouse. Um, and maybe that's not a game that everyone is familiar with, but you play as a gardener i guess does the game and watch character have a name he has a name right you know the the guy well he does he have a name in smash brothers yeah he does Is i think he called game and watch guy or he's having maybe a, i don't know uh, i don't know anyway you play as him and you um you've got this little what do you call it um you know those pump sort of yeah. Gas things Like you would are, see in a Looney Tunes cartoon Yeah, yeah, yeah And he <laughs> pumps this uh, insecticide Into bugs like caterpillars And stuff like that That are slowly crawling down To eat whatever they're trying to eat And mm-hmm. you're trying to save them mm-hmm. That's um, not a, that unusual I, I did that like two weeks ago in my garden <laughs> <laughs> We still do that <laughs> It's unusual for a game though Right Yeah And it's two screens Like Donkey Kong It's a clamshell But it's green and uh, I got totally obsessed by that game. Mm-hmm. I just play that constantly over and over and over again. And I think I've even mentioned on the podcast, I'd play it until I've clocked the score and then keep on going. Um, yeah, I was absolutely obsessed with that. A mm-hmm. little bit upset that I don't have my original Greenhouse Game & Watch. I have no idea what happened to it. But yeah, it's lost into the mists of time, <laughs> as some would say. A place where all consoles go 
Yeah. Where you forget where they went. Mm. The mist of I time. probably could have said that in a more articulate way. But. Ah, get out of here. <laughs> we don't articulate well. <laughs> um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> I mean, I already said what I think. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Baker Snark MDW on the forum. He mentions that um, in the October 2017 update for the Switch, they mm-hmm. included uh, GameCube controller compatibility via the Wii U adapter. October last 2017, year. yeah. Did you know about this? No. Hmm. I didn't, but... Now you do. I don't know if it would make a difference, though, because I, didn't ha- I don't have any GameCube controllers and I don't have the adapter. And you might as well just buy wired controls. Hmm. The Switch wired controllers. Yeah. I guess unless you're particularly attached to the GameCube controller, which some people are. True. But yeah, if you already have GameCube controllers too, and yeah, if you like the GameCube controllers, but Mm. you also have one less shoulder button because you don't have left Z and right Z because it's only got one Z. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Speaking of those controllers, by the way, I realized that my confusion over the X and Y and A and B is probably more due to the Xbox 360 than anything else because, as you said, or as Matt said, it's the same letters, but they're swapped around. Hmm. So I realized that that's probably what really was throwing me off. Right. So it's not just you're an old man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's partly that. And it's also partly the fact that on most PlayStation games, the X button is go. Like the go and stop is swapped around, mm. but um, definitely when I see when I see Y on the screen, I think like top button where the Y is on the Xbox 360. Yeah, right. And when I see X, I think like Sony square position where it is mm. X on the 360. Mm. And I think that's what was throwing me. Mm. Yep. Modern day problems. When you just can't get your X's and your Y's in the right spot. I know, it's terrible. (laughs) Thrax on the forum. Uh, He mentions he's played some RE7 in VR and said it was amazing. Scary, but definitely awesome and brings a whole new element to the game, peeking over barrels or between slats of wood in the external walls of the house. Mm -hmm. Side note, he... It absolutely sucks balls that you can't play RE7 in VR on... No, that you can play RE7 in VR on the PlayStation, but the PC version isn't VR compatible with the Vive or Oculus Rift. Hmm. So apparently you can only play it on the PlayStation 4 in VR. Well, that's lame. Yeah, I would agree that sucks balls. (laughs) I wonder why that is. Is it... hmm. Maybe Sony's got an exclusive license to the VR aspect. Yeah, I I can't imagine it being anything else because the engine's already in the game, right? You don't really need much more to make it VR. Mm. Yeah. I'm looking at Matt because I thought he might... Yeah, he's a tech dude. He knows this stuff. (laughs) Watch more. A bit. I mean, mean, yeah, there's more to do, but not in comparison to developing the game or porting it like to another system. Mm. I don't know. Maybe not. Hmm. Either way, it sucks balls. Yeah. He also uh, bought the app that I talked about last episode for catalog- cataloging game uh, collections. 
-hmm. That app is called Video Games Database Scanner, Mm -hmm. which is a really catchy name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) On the Apple App Store, he says he's scanned in 606 games so far, approximately 450 to go. Before, he runs out of barcoded cases slash boxes and has to switch to manual entry. So the app has a barcode scanner, mm-hmm. so you can just use the camera on the phone and blip, mm-hmm. and it puts the game in your collection. If it doesn't have a barcode, obviously you need to do a manual entry. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's got a pretty big and impressive collection. Mm-hmm. There's a limit? Is that what you're saying? No. I think he's just saying that he has games that don't have barcodes. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Which was also my case. So, you know, you do your Xbox 360, PlayStation, PS2, blah, blah, blah. Then when you get down to, I don't know, Atari, C64 and stuff like that, not all games actually have barcodes or the barcodes don't exist in the database for the app. So often you'll just do a manual entry and the manual entry on this app is really quite easy because it's just got an internet search so you type oh. in the name if it can't find a match in the database then you can just you know press it as a manual entry and then go in to find pictures and it says you know it'll search on google and you bring up the cover and you can add that and mm-hmm. yeah it's really quite good yep is it upc barcodes that games have uh-huh. okay we're looking at Matt again. I I imagine recent ones do. What's the right. difference? So I think I'm by no means an expert, but uh, it's an actual database that's available. Um, so it would mean that if you had access to that database, you would have like all uh, the details right. of a product from mm. its barcode. Right. Yeah. That's a good idea. And that's what CDs have, I mm. believe. Right. But yeah, by no means an expert. Mm. Partially guessing some things. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's obviously got an impressive collection, over a thousand games. That's even before he's putting things in manually. Yeah. Um, he said that he he likes it, but as I mentioned, it's not perfect. Um, mm. But he also likes having the wish list to remind him what he needs. I don't actually use the wish list. Mm. Um I've actually got a, I just use a, note, use a notes app to mm. have like the games that I'm after and things that, you know, I'd like to have and stuff like that. But Don't strike me as a wish list kind of person. No. More like a, if I see something, I might buy it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do have a list of games that I still want to get, like mm-hmm. some of my favorite games. Um, you, you don't have your favorite games? Not all of them, no. Is There's it? still a lot of Super Nintendo games that I need to buy back. Mm. Like Legend of Zelda, mm. Link to the Past. That's one that I don't own currently. I own back in the day and obviously I'd like to own again because it's one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. It's also expensive mm. if you find a version in good condition. Mm-hmm. Especially at the moment as you highlighted yep. a couple of podcasts ago that SNES is... On fire. Oh, yeah. At the moment. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Paul Kasarek, or Kaz as we Uh know him, on Facebook. He grew some chilies. What? 
<laughs> I always see he's, he posts stuff that he grows on Facebook. Ah, uh, yes, he does. He's got a bit of a green thumb. Mm. Yeah, him and Anita. I look at his wall and mm. his plant wall and mm. I think to myself, I could do that. And then whenever I actually seriously plan to do it, I'm just like, that's hard. Yeah, it's a that's lot of really hard, hard work. Yeah. <laughs> My brother's the same. My brother's got a ridiculous garden and... I think it'd be really awesome to have all of those things in your garden. You can just walk up and pick these things. And then mm-hmm. I think I, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. requires far too much work. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Um, but he asks, Paul, not mm. my brother, mm. um, three or five ball pinball. He oh. says he prefers five ball when the playing question. and paying in pubs. Mm. But at home, he prefers his machines on three ball. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think I can definitely understand that point of view, especially when you're just having a fun time. It sometimes depends on the game. Mm. Um, if the game's really brutal, if it's on three ball, sometimes it's over so quick and you just yeah. feel utterly brutalized. Yeah, <laughs> You know, you're like, I just threw away two bucks. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, and it does hurt when it's when you're paying two bucks a yeah. go. And if you want to have a few good goes of it, you can easily go through mm. a lot of money. Mm. Depending on, yeah, it all depends on, I guess, your skill and the way the game plays. Mm. Um, yeah, I've had some days like that where the game's just brutal and I've just gone through a, a heap of money. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but, but on the other hand, it feels like three ball is the right way to play, especially if yeah. you like playing in comps that yeah. you want to get used to playing three ball and, uh, cause if you're playing five, then it's feels like cheating mm. because it's like having two extra balls for nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know Paul's also a particular fan of, um, popping in like four players and mm-hmm. playing those four players himself. See, that's just <laughs> I, that's weird to me. I can't. Yeah, I don't. I, I can't do that either because I I need that single experience, right? Mm. Where you're progressing from the beginning of game mm. to the end. Yeah. Regardless how bad or good you do. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know Paul does like to pop in those four players because I think out of that you're guaranteed to get a couple of really good balls Mm. and it probably does make you feel better by the end of it Mm. as opposed to playing a three-ball game, single-player game Mm. and you get brutalised and you just go, well, why did I bother? Mm. But still, yeah, that the idea of playing a multiplayer game by yourself Mm. just doesn't sit right with me. It's a funny thing because I can see how it kind of changes the climate of the situation in terms of the game is no longer about getting a score necessarily and not necessarily about the progression that you experience you're you're just playing and you just play each ball Mm. and it would be more about yeah the experience of playing the game Mm. than the kind of progression or score that you can get which i guess I can say from my perspective, and I feel like maybe you, Mark, have the same point of view, which is that each time you play, it's like you want to see what you can do in your yep. game. Yeah. Um, 
as a way of keeping track of like how your playing is going and yeah and how you know, you're progressing in your own skill and development yeah. Yeah. yeah and also because yeah you're putting yourself in in a sort of competition environment in a way or yeah that's I mean, very it's not, true it's not always like that but a lot of the time when you play you're you're recreating the environment that mm. you would be competing in mm. yeah i only just thought of this as you were saying that is that i will often do that whereas if i even in a casual environment pop in two bucks play a game i just get brutalized the first two balls mm. i'll immediately try and put myself in the situation of okay this is a really serious tournament. Obviously, it's not I'm playing casually. How would I approach this mm. now that I'm so far behind? Mm-hmm. I'm obviously pretty well fucked. <laughs> but I've got a ball in hand. What do I do? Can I stay calm? Mm. Um, think logically? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will put myself in that situation. Mm. Often, that won't work and I'll just drain anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yes. that's that's kind of the mind games that you play with yourself, isn't mm. it? Yep. Um, I'm very traditional, I think, in that three or five ball modern games, three ball mm-hmm. older games like electromechanical, usually five, mm. just because there's a there's a lot more chance of a house ball on a older game, right? Because um, there's no ball save, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's no multi ball. So you need those sort of extra chances to get something mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having said that, I mean, all my modern games are on three ball, mm-hmm. except for my most modern of games is on five ball, <laughs> which is Wonelli, mm. because it's very much like an electromechanical. It's a throwback. Yeah. 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 What yeah. about you, Matt? You've said nothing. I like five balls. <laughs> so. <laughs> My machine at home is on five balls. The place where I play mostly all five ball. Hmm. That's the best way. Oh, so Frankie's pizza is five balls. All five balls. Really? Yeah. All right. Huh. As I mentioned, well, to you, but not to you, dear listeners, the, uh, I'm giving it away now. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. But the quality of players there is quite low. Hmm. Yeah. So that's, prob- that's better for the, the average crowd at that venue. Hmm. And good for me because I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough to do great on three balls usually. Hmm. So five ball, I can get a good game. Right. But you know, pretty much every modern game, if you set them to five ball, all of the things you need to go for become harder. They increase the difficulty. Uh, like what? Like, for instance, if you need to hit something three times to... Uh, start a multi-ball. Yeah. If you set the game to five ball, that will go up to say hit it five times, or hit it ten times. Okay. Those sort of I can't things. say I've noticed that anyway. Is that right. really? is that just the spotting? Like, um, usually when you start a game, sometimes it will spot. Like for Iron Man, for example, mm-hmm. um, with the Iron Monger, you have to spell Monger. Mm. Um, but when you first start the game. I think it's just the E and the R that you need. So are you saying if you had Iron Man set to five balls, it might start with like G-E-R or you need yeah. more letters to start? I don't know if that's particularly true, but that's a good example of it. Right. Yeah, it'll 
dial it back or dial it forward, whichever, um, depending whether it's three or five ball to adjust the difficulty. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, you also have a larger player time regardless what mm-hmm. you actually do on the machine. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm... A- I've got this thing about experiencing, um, I don't know how to put it, but any kind of content or whatever it is, whether it's a game or whatever, trying to experience that in the way that was intended by the person that designed Hmm. whatever it was. And that Hmm. includes music and Hmm. movies and stuff like that. And so, like, I, I... when I listen to music, I like to listen to albums from start to finish mm, because I'm it, the same. Yeah, yeah. The idea is that that person intended it to, you know, be listened to like that. Mm. And sometimes, you know, the album can just be the songs thrown on there, but other times it can be like a whole journey. Mm. And it's the same, I think, with games. Um, and I think that's partly why I like to play it on like the real console and all that sort of thing mm. with the right controller. You want um, you want the original experience. Yeah, and yeah. so with pinballs, I think whatever the default is of the game, I like it to be on that. Mm. Um, and when it gets changed, it feels not right. Mm. <laughs> but mm. I can definitely understand why. I mean, I can... Yeah. It, I think it's better, especially for people who are not as good at playing, like at Frankie's, for example. I think that's really clever to do that because people at Frankie's who are just having a good time, you know, they're not serious players. They're just having a, a good time. And mm. if they have a go at a game, they need to get their money's worth. Otherwise, they're not going to play again. Yeah, that's right. And with five balls, you do that. I think even though it doesn't sound like much, those two extra balls really do make a difference in terms of your play experience. You get a better chance to understand what's happening in the game and mm. actually get a decent go at it. Mm. Yeah. And so maybe if you're new... Because you might, the first couple of balls, you didn't know what was happening anyway. And yeah. then you start to get the hang of it. Yeah. Yeah. And at Frankie's as well, you'll find if you stand in front of those machines, you don't have to wait long to find someone walking up to machine, put money in and don't know where the start button is. Oh, like yeah. a, that's very common. A lot common. of first time players. Yeah, it's very wow. common. I still think that's a major problem with pinball, actually. Pinball design that you can throw your money in unless you know how a pinball machine works. It's very difficult to actually understand how to start a game. Everyone reaches for the plunger Mm. and nothing happens Mm. because obviously they haven't pressed the start button yet. Mm. Or, you know, a lot of modern games have that um, button on the lockdown bar, Mm -hmm. like right in the middle. Yeah. People will press that because that's flashing away. Yeah. But that's not going to do anything. That's not going to start the game. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) I was in time zone the other day and there was, I said to my dad, um, because I had lunch with him. And there's a new time zone in Rouse Hill and they've got two pinball machines, Star Wars and The Walking Dead. And um, he's like, oh, have you been in the time zone? I'm like, yeah, they got the Star Wars pinball machine. And we went in there and we had a look and there was a kid playing it and he lost his ball and he just started pulling the plunger and the bonus and all that stuff was counting. Mm. And it's like really long too with it, that game. I can't remember what it is, but I think it tells you like your TIE Fighters and all this extra stuff. Yeah. And then your bonus. And obviously he didn't know that even more, um, I don't know, something you know when you start to play pinball more is that when you press both flippers together, when your bonus is counting, it skips 
and it often skips any animations. Mm. Obviously, he didn't know that either. Mm. And so it's slowly counting down where I'd usually be bashing the buttons <laughs> to get my next ball. Mm. He's just like pulling the plunger, just consistent, just like mm, just pulling it and it's yeah. bouncing back. And when there's no ball too, it makes that horrific clack because there's yeah. no resistance as well. Yeah. It's just going bang, <laughs> bang, and just pulling it and just waiting for the ball to come. Mm. And I'm watching the bonus slowly tick down, just like <laughs> face palming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of user experience problems with um with pinball, I think. I was thinking today about, you know, is there a rules gate rules gate for pinball where the complexity of the rules makes it difficult for people to get into? I think there absolutely is. Mm. Yeah. And Star Wars is one of those classic examples because that is incredibly complex. And not only is it incredibly complex, but it's incredibly brutal. Mm. That's a really hard game. I mm. mean, you can you can plunge the skill shot and then immediately drain out mm. the outlane because it mm. bounces straight out the mm. outlane. And then the auto plunger fires the ball off again and then it goes down the outlane again. Mm. I've lost yeah. so many balls on, on Star Wars through that. Mm. And it's such a brutal game, but again, it's, it's such a complex game rules-wise. Mm. And I think that's why that's become not the hit that they expected. Because, mm. yeah, it's just... Oh, it doesn't surprise me at all. Mm. And artistically, it looks like ass as well, so that doesn't help. <laughs> I don't mind it, but I guess maybe that's coming from a point of view of someone who's used to the way that modern pinballs look. And, mm. and I enjoy the game enough to not be too concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, moving on, uh, I used a picture of some of my collection for the post asking for feedback on Twitter, Facebook and the forum and a bunch of other places and a few people commented on that picture actually. Mm. Um, Thrax asked if that stuff was mine. Um, he'd like to see some more detailed pictures, especially the consoles, NES, PC, big box stuff. Um, and also asked, what is that mad ball stuff? <laughs> <laughs> As uh, John pours half a bottle of wine into his bucket-like goblet. Uh, yeah, mad balls. Um, I don't know why I like mad balls. And for people who don't know what mad balls are, they're, they're a toy from the 80s. Balls, mm. obviously. Um, was there a cartoon or something? Yeah, there was a cartoon. There was comics. Mm. Um, but in general, they're sort of just a, I don't know, monstery type ball. They've usually got a face on them with like teeth missing and eyeballs hanging out and stuff like that. The thing just came to mind. Yeah, the eighties, like the gross. Yeah, the gross design. Stuff, yeah, there's, there's like the garbage pail kids. Yeah, what I'm remembering too. Yeah, oh, yep. man, I remember that. Yeah, it was a, it was a thing at the yeah. time. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know what captured me with those, but was there it one did. that was like a spaghetti meatball, like an actual? It was a meatball from a. Dish? No, not Maybe with mad balls. I've been thinking of there was else. plenty of knockoffs though. Mm. So you know that probably is one of the knockoffs because mad balls was the. Was the first, and then yeah, it hit really big. Mm. And I don't know why it captured me, but it did. And 
I mean, I used to own every single Series 1 and 2 Mad Balls, like, sealed in their packet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I eventually just sold all those off because what do you do with them? They're balls. Mm. (laughs) I mean... In a packet. Yeah. I mean, what do you do with them? If they're not in the packet, I mean, they're not, like, for playing games with, right? No, they're not. They're they're not because they're foam, so they just fall apart after a while. So Mm. I sold all those off, but... um, I still have some sort of nostalgic thing for Mad Balls, as many people do for toys from mm-hmm. back in their childhood days. Mm-hmm. So I've got a um, like some reproduction stuff that had come out recently. Like, you know how pop culture has become a lot more... I don't know, like companies are producing things regarding mm-hmm. pop culture of the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s. Yeah. And one of those, Kid Robot, um, they do some reproduction of the Mad Balls. So... Mm-hmm. I've got some of those, and that is what Thrax is seeing on my shelving, just mm-hmm. boxes from some of the stuff I bought. And I still don't know why I like it. <laughs> it's stupid, it's useless, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's judging you, Mike. Of course not. No one at all. <laughs> Andy Waskowitz. I feel like this is almost like an AA meeting where we <laughs> admit our faults yeah. or something like that. Yeah, our wives would probably see it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Andy Waskowitz, a.k.a. Mud, uh, he asked if it was sorted alphabetically, my stack of games. Mm -hmm. And when I said to him... Obviously didn't listen to the last episode No, obviously not. Obviously not. (laughs) When I said that that wasn't the case, he said he's coming over to get it done (laughs) once he stops sobbing from the state of it. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So he was a lot more brutal than I was <laughs> about the organization. Yeah, it's um it's it's a stack of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is how I would describe it. Yeah. It could do with some love. But that requires time. Who has time? It should be enjoyable. Like giving it the love. Uh yeah. I mean, I know I would have enjoyed um the experience with the Sega Saturn that I didn't get to have. Hmm. <laughs> One day. See, the longer it takes for you to have that special experience, the more special it will be. It's true. Mm. It's like edging. Mm. <laughs> Eventually, it's just going to be an explosion all over the place. <laughs> um, then we can go into news, I think. Maybe I should just... It's like every time I come to your house, it's getting closer to the climax, and then I just pull away. (laughs) Too much information. Too much information. (laughs) (laughs) Can I resist this time? News, I thought we'd throw this in here as something different. Um, Mm. We may have nothing to say on this stuff. We may have a little bit to say on this stuff. We'll see how A lot of stuff seemed to happen in the last two weeks. Mm. Like heaps of stuff. Mm. And maybe we won't get to it all. Mm. But uh, Billy Mitchell, that's a thing that's been happening. What a dilly bitchel. (laughs) 
Harsh. Harsh. I was just Jeez. trying to think of names. Right, rhyme. Right. Think I words see. that rhymed. Mm-hmm. But that video, what a load of crap. What Which video? He had put a put a video up when they um, oh, um took his scores down. His response is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should say what happened before. Yeah, explain. I think story. Matt needs to cover this because he's I been covering. I've been, been following this. He's since been following the it. beginning. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, also before this, I was following the Todd Rogers equivalent, where he eventually got banned. Hmm. And all these scores taken down. Was that for Donkey Kong as well? Um, ultimately, is over Dragstar. But mm-hmm. in the in the process of proving all this stuff out, uh, tons of other dodgy things I've came always, to light, and so mm. that's why he was banned and fully removed. I've always wondered about how they rev- verify scores like this because it can't be that hard to, I don't know, trick, like create a video that looks like you're doing something you're not. But yeah, I think also it's tough though, right? Because as technology progresses, there's more complex ways to to prove you've done something mm. whereas back in the day you just had a person maybe standing over an arcade cabinet and who knows what dip switch settings they were set on mm. and yeah, you're exactly. relying on either the player or the witness to say yes i verified that's an actual score mm. and then suddenly if you're in 2018 looking back at scores from 30 years ago Hmm. and saying, well, it's just some guy saying that they did something. Hmm. I mean, you could critique that in a thousand different ways. Hmm. And even now you're saying, well, that person, we can't verify that person did that because maybe this witness was questionable or something like that. Then suddenly you're wiping out a lot of really old stuff hmm. yeah. just by the nature of how the verif- verification so, process worked before. So Yeah, but in, in both of these cases, it's because of information coming up that really proved, you know, beyond doubt, like really what was going on, even though mm-hmm. this, so, I mean, particularly Todd Rogers drags the score, it's a, as a referee verified and a long time ago, right? right? Mm-hmm. And the the particular Donkey Kong score from Billy Mitchell that was, where this dispute started anyway, was also a referee verified by mm. Todd Rogers. Mm. And and so... Oh, it was refereed by Todd Rogers. Yeah. Ah, I didn't know that. So whether or not you believe really that happened... Mm. Mm. I, d- I don't think we... I still haven't really said what happened, have we? Did we? So Billy Mitchell, who's, I mean, made famous by the King of Kong documentary, mm-hmm. but... Uh, you know, was considered one of the best classic video game players. Mm. Held a long time record on Donkey Kong. The first the player first to do a perfect Pac-Man, Pac-Man game. Yeah, yeah. First person to do a million point Donkey Kong game. Uh, well, not not anymore. No, well, <laughs> but that was the claim. Yeah, that was the claim. Yeah. Um. So has been banned from Twin Galaxies and all the scores removed from all the scores removed, including Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. And that was because, I mean, so, how was that determined? That's that's. I know some of the story, but I don't know. The well, that full story. that was the punishment. Um, the reason is because the three Donkey Kong scores that, well, okay. Everyone's pretty sure the three Donkey Kong scores that are over a million, uh, were probably played on Mame, 
Hmm. And there's only two. The, so the, the one that where the dispute started was re- referee verified. So we don't really have footage of it. Oh, there's apparently a little bit. Hmm. But the other two, there's a, a direct feed recording like from VHS that everybody can watch. Hmm. And the the real killer reason why um, you can prove it's not an original Donkey Kong machine is because what the way the the way the the way the screen changes when it goes from you know the how high can you go mm-hmm. when it starts drawing the barrel board actually all of them have a unique kind of signature the way it, the way it looks on a real machine mm-hmm. and the way it looks on name mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and so if you you know. You, you know, you step forward through the video frame by frame, you can see the differences and understand, you know. Right. Yep. So they, when I say they, I think it was Donkey Kong Forum or something like that, they analysed this video footage and determined that Billy Mitchell's claimed score was not actually on an original arcade cabinet, but was done on a main setup. Yeah. So, well, the story is actually much longer than that. <laughs> Um, because the, the claim when it first went up, you know, last year was pretty much based on, um, a video that was like supplementary evidence about this referee verified score where they were, the board swap video is what we're talking about. So apparently he went to this arcade, put a record on Donkey Kong, and then they did a, they swapped the, using that one cabinet, swap out the board for Donkey Kong Jr. And he puts up a record on Donkey Kong Jr. on the same day. Hmm in this arcade like live yeah but that's that's the only evidence evidence that anyone had was this board swap video there's no like footage of the game like even though it's in public no one had their phone mm-hmm. I mean, yeah no one right made video. yeah and the board swap when you look at it actually they swapped out a donkey kong jr board for a donkey kong jr board but well, so the story mm. is that he played a game of donkey kong set a record and then they pulled out a camera, recorded the board swap, yeah. but never recorded any footage of him playing the game. Yeah, there's nothing of the game. Jeez, that's mm. not fishy at all. <laughs> and then I know the oh, video you're talking it's about. It's funnier. Well, yeah, go ahead. Because then later when he's kind of announcing that he got these records, there's a video of... He, he, he did an announcement where he's got both of the... He's standing in front of, you know, two TV screens talking about how he got the records and they're both playing there. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Wait, so, so they played so back the games that he played? He's He's got videos of these ones. Oh, is it these ones? No. Yes, of these ones. Mm. And so you can kind of, you can see also Telltale things in there mm. as well. But um, hmm. the original videos, I don't think anyone's got access to. Hmm. So he's supposedly got recordings, but hasn't made them available. I think that's what it was, yeah. Mm. But anyway, the the other two, the two earlier scores, they they just were sent as videos to Twin Galaxies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So those are fully, you can watch the whole thing. But those ones are believed to be played on MAME now. Yeah, that's... that's Which so means he could be using, like, save states to... Mm. He could have died a million times oh, and yeah. just reloaded. So, that's, so, okay, the other thing that started, other than the board swap video, the other early on thing that people like knew was they people had done statistic analysis of the games, like those games and compared to like Steve Weeby's games and other people. And, you know, you calculate how many, there's, there's a lot of random bits about when you do a barrel smash and jump, how many points you get. Mm-hmm. And, he, and the Billy Mitchell ones are way skewed towards the high end. Hmm. 
right. getting a lot of points for, so it's for like these random things. A, it's statistically <clears throat> very improbable that he would have happened to get high random yeah. score values like every time throughout his game. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's the you know, the theory that there probably was a save state thing happening, but mm-hmm. there's no proof of it really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is very interesting because everything I mean, it it's quite obvious Billy Mitchell he's a character. He's yeah. he's a bit of an ass. He's he's arrogant. <laughs> he's full of himself. He says things as he sees it. Um, people take, you know, some offence to things that he says just because he, you know, he, he talks himself up. He's called himself the best video game player of the century and all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> well, and that that may have been ordered to him by, well, maybe Twin Galaxies. Mm. Yeah, possibly, possibly. But also, I was just saying that to to make the point that you know, I've heard him being interviewed on, say, the Broken Token podcast, um, various other mediums. Um, he does talks. Uh, he's just a super genuine, really nice guy, besides mm. being full of himself. Um, mm. And he's very encouraging of other players. Uh, you know, you, you listen to people who know him and they say just what a great person he is and mm. how you know passionate he is about the hobby and how encouraging he is about mm. the hobby and people that play and stuff like that mm. so i don't i'm not going to say these accusations are false because maybe they're not but they would surprise me if they are true because i don't know he just seems like the type of guy who is obviously a very good player mm. He's, he's a fantastic video game player. Why would he need to cheat? And but has he has he demonstrated performances close to the record? Like you'd think someone who's at a high level would consistently demonstrate a performance close to mm. that level. Mm. So I mean I don't know because I don't really follow this sort of stuff. Mm. But is that the case? Does he display these kinds of performances? So I'm I'm told that. Well told. I read that um, in Donkey Kong has like these tiers of skill that you need, and to get to get a million points, you know, requires some amount of skill. But to get you know one point one million, it's it's like another level harder mm. of things you have to go through to press your score mm. enough to get there. One point two million again, it's mm. another step above. Like you have to display another level of skill, relearn how to play the game to mm. be able to do it. And has he done that legitimately? Uh, no one's seen it. Okay. But he has done a perfect Pac-Man game. Yeah. So Legitimately. A yeah, few I times, think, right? Uh, I don't know, a few times. So the with Pac-Man, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can manipulate the ghosts. Yeah. And so though he got the first one. He also got, which is, I'm pretty sure that's not really disputed that he did that. Mm. Um, but... It's it's slower than the way it's done. This this slower way and fast way. He did he did it really safely, basically, mm. and you can take more risks or learn new patterns to do it faster yeah, to right. get the same score. Mm. Well, the controversy continues. Does it? He, it's over. No, right? I don't think it is because that video that he posted for MGC, which is 
Midwest gaming classic, yeah. I think. He said he's um, he has the evidence. He wishes he could show people right now, but he can't just yet. And it's not over. He's been doing this for a very long time, and he's going to challenge it. So that's so. I think that this is the video that I saw that I thought was a bunch of BS. Hmm. And to me, that kind of talk just stinks of, you know, con artistry and someone who is good at manipulating people hmm. um, to say a lot of things to to yeah. To talk without really saying anything, hmm. which when someone says, oh, I wish I could show you and then doesn't give you the reason why hmm. they can't show it, to me, is very suspicious. Hmm. Yeah, and if he does Especially when it's just a video game. Like, I know it becomes high stakes because of the effort that's involved. Hmm. But apart from that, it's just a game. So, I think that... You have to remember that Billy Mitchell's... It's he's made a living out of mm. what he is. Yeah, or at least I don't know if he actually has made any money mm. out of it. But he's he markets himself mm. as that person. Yeah, I mean he's got that whole look mm. that is just so Billy Mitchell. You know, <laughs> he's the most recognisable video game player in the world, mm. more than likely. Yeah, and maybe that's even more reason for him to cheat. I don't know. Well, definitely. Is because it is high stakes because that's his livelihood mm. now. Mm. I mean, if that was a situation where you think, oh, if I can't go and do this stuff anymore, if I totally lose credibility, then, um, you know, I'm going and working at um, Woolworths or, mm. you well, know, he, he has uh, his own chain of, rest, chain of restaurant. It's at least a restaurant. Oh, really? Hot sauce and chicken wings. Mm. Yeah. It's called Ricky's. But it's it's entirely possible for a person to in different situations appear differently and i guess what i'm getting at is i know that you said he comes across as very genuine and you know um your experience with him makes you feel like there's no way he would have been cheating Mm. um but people do you know, yeah, they yeah. and and the fact that they do, then they're committed, and maybe that means that they do other things to try and convince people that they're mm. not a cheat. Mm. You know, and that might be behaving in a really genuine and authentic way mm. in other situations. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm certainly not saying that. You know, it it's not going to turn out that he was cheating, mm. but. I'd just be a little surprised. Mm. Yeah. And maybe a little Fair disappointed enough. as well. Because Probably, yeah. he is that, he's the character. Yeah. He's Billy Mitchell. You either hate yeah. him or you are okay with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as saying as liking him. Yeah. But from, but, um, from my point of view, you're like, yeah, he and Todd Rogers as well, the people I knew about before King of Kong, like you'd hear about these people, mm. you know. Mm. I think the, I can... Legends. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. 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 Like, and... It's in that in that way. It's disappointing to know that they. I mean, they, I'm sure they are great. Yeah, they definitely both are great players. Mm. They're just done shady things. Mm. Mm. That's well, sad. We'll see what happens. I, the saga I, continues. I know you're saying it's ended. I'm 100 percent convinced that they are not legit. 
Mm. Yeah. It's pretty... A lot of what we... The evidence is pretty... Pretty damning, I think. Mm. Well, considering Matt is saying that and he's been following it, whereas I'm just like a casual observer, mm. you know, I don't have anything to base my claims on, whereas you do. So, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. I'd like to see what he comes up with, but I, I can't imagine <laughs> it's anything to do with the, the three million plus scores. Mm. This is like when I found out about Louis C.K., it's just like, oh, oh yeah. I love Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why did you have to do that? Mm. Don't do that. Mm. Power corrupts Um, PAX PAX tickets went on sale a couple of weeks ago mm. Yeah I have bought my ticket Okay, I still got to get mine Right Yeah. So that's happening So if you're going to PAX in 2018 You might want to grab your ticket mm-hmm. um, I, They don't sell out quickly right. You don't need to rush and buy them but Not just PAX, also EBX Oh of course, forget. yeah sorry I, I should have mentioned yeah. That's a big selling point uh summer game what i was just gonna say uh, look i think hopefully it's a positive thing if they have a big eb loot that Mm. could be cool yeah i agree with you that would be cool yeah summer games done quick uh which is happening june 24th uh they Mm. announced the game list that they're doing for Mm -hmm. games done quick for summer um people should know but games done quick is a charity event that runs for an entire week 24 hours seven days um people donate money as people are speed running games Mm -hmm. um which goes usually to like cancer prevention and things like that Mm -hmm. um so yeah this one's coming up on 24th of june they announced the game list there's a shitload of games i won't go through all the games but um there's a lot there's a lot uh a couple that i'm excited to see though which i haven't seen run before is sonic spinball Uh which is sort of like a pinball sonic game i don't know how you speed run that (laughs) splatterhouse one and two i don't know how you speed run pinball but they did it yeah that's true that's true Mm. Streets of Rage 2. Ah. That'll be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Super Monkey Ball 2 Monkeyed Ball, <laughs> which I didn't know what that was until I looked it up on um You didn't know what it Googles. was. And you call yourself a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Monkeyed Ball. That didn't mean anything to me. That's not a real game. It turns out it's a, it's a ROM hack. Ah. So it's a ROM hack of Super Monkey Ball 2, but they put in, like, stupidly difficult levels. Oh, right. So I'm really excited to see that, actually. That sounds really cool. Yeah. And Super Smash TV. 
That should be fun to see. Yeah. Um, That's a fun game. It's a really hard game. Z-Ball League kicks off May 1st. So, yeah, that's a... That's my original pinball league, the thing that got me into pinball. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that'll be kicking off on May 1st. I can't remember the location. Is it the Annandale? No, it's the no, Raglan. Raglan. Raglan is the yeah, first the Raglan. one. Yeah, but it's moving around a lot. So. Yep, yep. Pubs in Sydney. Yes. For people that yeah. go to pubs. Aren't local. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd encourage you to check out Z-Ball Pinball, either on Facebook or... His website. For people that are local. Yes. (laughs) And lastly in news, the Mega Drive Mini got announced. Yeah. By Sega. I know nothing about this other than the Mega Drive Mini was announced by Sega. Announced by Sega. Does anyone Manufactured by... I feel like we need a drum roll. (laughs) Do you know the answer? (laughs) At fucking games. Really? Are you serious? Yep. I saw that in a Twitter post today and I thought it was a joke. No. It's real. Are you sure? Maybe we should confirm. (laughs) I think we should confirm that. (laughs) Because I thought that was a joke. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's real. Because they already had the license. Like it was Sega licensed, Mm. the ad game stuff. Mm. But that doesn't stop it from being shit. Mm. Well, yeah, obviously. And I think it is shit. That's something, unfortunately, you know, as much as I love Sega, they've never had that. They're not like Nintendo where Nintendo's like, all of our stuff is going to be amazing mm. and the quality if it's control. not, then it's not going out the door. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're like that, unfortunately. Mm. And that's resulted in, well, firstly, the Mega CD and then a bunch of really crappy Sonic games. Mm. Um, yeah. So this says that uh, at games said on their Twitter account that they were making it, and mm. then deleted the tweet. Really? Uh, That's so weird. Controversy. Yeah. Controversy. <laughs> That's a Prince song, <laughs> by the mm. way. Yes. <laughs> so we will have to confirm that later, I guess, or readers. And let us know how wrong we are, or right we are, either way. Well, maybe no one knows at the moment. I feel like maybe that... Mm. I mean, from... That's it seems like... Way, I think might be all rumour and innuendo. Yeah, I, I haven't really followed it closely, because I guess I... Um, I don't. I don't tend to do that, because I just wait until it's out, and then if it's good, mm. then I'll go for it. Mm. Um. So I haven't really looked too much at it. And yeah, I was thinking if it's made by Act Games, I'll be really disappointed. And mm. maybe maybe Sega will step in and try and make it good. But Probably I don't not. feel confident about that. No. Because I don't see why it would be any different than what's been, that's what's come in the past. So yeah. everything that they've already made was licensed by Sega. Mm. And I think that they tried to step up their game in the second version of the... Um, Mega Drive that they made, the flashback Mega Drive. Um, and it seems like now it's going to be the same as that minus the cartridge slot, hmm. you know, which is even worse. Hmm. So I don't know. But, hmm. 
yeah, I guess it's it's early days and we'll find out more, I suppose. Yeah. Closer to the release. Yeah, I was kind of excited when I heard the news that Sega were making this, but then I thought, mm. ah, again, like you said, quality control mm. and all of that. I mean, just recently had the disappointment of the C64 Mini. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shouldn't have been disappointed because I expected it mm. because I thought, well, Commodore doesn't exist as an actual company mm. anymore. Mm. Someone's just making this and it's probably mm. just going to be a cash-in. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be pretty much the case. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with this Mega Drive Mini, but hopefully it's going to turn out all right. Yeah, I mean, you never know. It might be really good, but we just don't know. And, you know, it's. I think it's normal for a business to who owns any kind of intellectual property to try and make money from that. I don't, I'm not surprised to hear Sega make this kind of announcement given the success of the Nintendo um, mm. mini consoles. Yep. But anyone who's actually into this stuff knows that we've already had some, there's so many flashbacks. Mm. Like Nintendo is not the first company to make something. They're just the first company to do their own and actually make it good. Yeah, you know? that's right. Um, and so then it's obviously very popular and hopefully, you know, Sega will realize that that's what makes the difference, you know, mm. actually making it good mm. <laughs> is Funny what will then, make it, it popular. Yeah. But um, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. Mm. I don't feel confident. But at the same time, I'm actually not that worried about it because I've got my own console, like genuine console set up anyway. So mm. I, I, I don't think that i would probably buy one Mm. because i've got the real console and a crt tv to plug it into so yeah and i think also like you said you've already had all those previous versions so it's not like something is going to come on the market and disappoint a lot of people who are going oh my god the mega drive i love this thing back in the day and sega games and they buy it and they get disappointed They've already been disappointed by six <laughs> other products. Yeah. So as opposed to the C64 Mini where it would be like that, they get it home and it plays like ass, <laughs> and it kind of ruins the experience. Mm. So, hmm. Yep. We'll see what happens with that. Hopefully it works out. Hopefully yeah. they do a good job. I really hope so because like I was saying last podcast, I'm realising the value in having these things that fit in your pocket, you can just plug into a TV and play these old games. I mean, Mm. in best case scenario, you'd prefer to have the real hardware. Mm. But say you go on holiday interstate or something, Mm. you're not going to carry a Mega Drive around Mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. Whereas you can just chuck a, in this case, a Mega Drive Mini Mm. into your luggage and Mm. off you go, plug it into a TV and play. Yeah, it's actually good for that kind of situation like, for example, I've thought about taking my console over to friends' places, but I know they have HD LED TVs, mm. and I know I don't want them to have that experience because if I mm. take my Mega Drive 2 with its composite output and plug it into the TV, which will work, it's going to look like shit, mm. and they're going to go, oh, yeah, I th- I remember this being better Mm, (laughs) and mm. they're going to think that's because it's old, but the reality is it actually was better. (laughs) Mm. It did look better. Yeah. Um, 
So because it was made for in the CRT for CRT monitors. Yep. And so I won't I won't ever do that. But maybe a flashback console will look better on a on a HD. Yeah. You know, massive LED. TV. Well, that's the case with the C sixty four mini. You you plug it into the TV, it looks fantastic. Mm. They've done a really good job once again. Like I said on the presentation, mm. it looks really really good. It's just the playability that it suffers. Mm. Just a big shame. Mm. Anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. What have we been up to in gaming? <laughs> you mean we're we're past all the introductional stuff? I think so. <laughs> I guess. Cool. All right. Uh, and I'm going to go first, even though I've been talking for about 400 hours. Um, no. <laughs> Matt said some stuff. So I. I came across in my local game traders um, a Mega Drive game. Hmm? Just saying something stupid. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, my local game traders in the window a uh, days before Christmas on the Mega Drive. I don't think, I haven't, I don't know what this is. Well, you wouldn't. Okay. Because it's stupidly rare. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it expensive? Yeah. It's ridiculously rare. Mm. Days before Christmas, days spelt D-A-Z-E. That's why you can't go to the Parkley Market market this weekend. If you find one in the Parkley Market this weekend... The days before Christmas? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't expect it. You should probably get it. Well, actually, you should heed my advice as I get through this story. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I spied this in the window. Was it a pre-production? You're spoiling the story. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, that stays before Christmas. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, tell the story. I can cut it out. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I've been eyeing this thing for a good three months, I think. Is that all? That's not that long. It's been in the window for a long time. That's how long it's been on display. This particular one. No one else took it. Well, it's an expensive game. There's one. I took a picture of a game in the Parramatta Games Traders like last year sometime hmm. and i think it's like 249 a super nintendo game i can't remember what it is no oh. and i remember sending it to you and you were like wow and i actually i didn't mean to take a picture of that in particular i was just taking a picture of what they had in general to hmm. show you guys like what they had hmm. and you were like oh they got that wow that's pretty cool and was I was it, just like, oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> was it Secret of Evermore or something like that? I think that? so. Yeah, I seem to remember the picture. Yeah. That's not super, super rare, but mm. yeah, it's, it was expensive. it's generally expensive. It's still there. Like right. the last time I went there, yeah. like two weeks ago, it was mm. still there. Mm. Anyway. But yeah, that's, yeah, games that are that expensive. Yeah. You don't expect the random punter walking in a, no. you know, you know. In those sort of places to go, oh, I'm going to buy that. And people who are buying, like, games that expensive, they're probably not buying them in retail stores generally. Yeah, that's right. Either. But that was the thing. So, this was marked for $350. Mm-hmm. Um, and that came with the box, the game, and the instruction manual. You look on eBay, you're lucky to get just the cartridge for around 300 US. Wow. Um, so and it's yeah, even like, more expensive than Streets of Rage 3. Yes. Like I said, this is a very rare game. Sorry, that's a little 
little stupid joke. Oh. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's been in, in the shop for months and I've been kind of been thinking about it and it's, you know, it's really hard to tell these days with rare games whether they're real or not because mm-hmm. obviously reproductions these days are very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, even to the point where I went to New Zealand talking with Mike over there who has a massive Mega Drive collection mm-hmm. and him him agreeing that, you know, you can't really tell these days unless you open up the cartridge and look at the PCB. Mm-hmm. But if that's a real Days Before Christmas uh, for 350 you should grab it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Is this... Did he say this? Yeah. Did you talk to him about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, another month or so passed and I sort of convinced my wife that this could be like a early birthday present for me and, <laughs> you know this would be the rarest mega drive game I'd have in my collection mm-hmm. and so I thought okay today we're going to do it I called them up I said I do you have that mega drive game still in the window they said oh yeah it's it's still there mm-hmm. I reconfirmed the price 349 did the person on the other side of the phone know what a mega drive was Yes, she knew immediately. Okay. These guys, my local game traders, are actually pretty good. Which one's your local one? Campbell, uh, MacArthur. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, reconfirmed with my wife. Okay, it's going to be an early birthday present. Let's go there. And I said to her, okay, there's a chance it's not real. I'm going to have to talk to the salesperson, have this awkward conversation, look at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we went in there. I think when you're buying something that expensive, surely they're happy for you to have a look at it. It wasn't sealed or anything, was it? No. Okay. But, well, a lot of people don't understand that reproductions exist. Okay. Modern gaming, I I don't think reproductions is a thing. Maybe it is, I don't know. But... Well, there's nothing that's... In modern gaming, why would you make a reproduction? Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's what I mean. So, yeah, I went in there and said, yeah, I'm the guy who called up about the game in the window. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I have a really good look at it? Mm. And they said, oh, no, absolutely, come over. And and uh, they pulled it out of the window, gave it to me, and that's when I started saying, you know, I, I need to have a look at this because this is obviously a rare game. These days, reproductions, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And so I'm, you know, you looking didn't at the ask them to and... get out a screwdriver and open it up. <laughs> No, because you'd have to rip the label off. Actually, maybe you don't need to on a Mega Drive game. Mega Drive, you don't. Yeah, there's one right here. We could check. You, you don't. Days I know Christmas you don't right because I've opened. Table. I think I've opened both of these. Just. Oh really? Just because. So the label, it folds across the top of the front, but it doesn't go yeah, across go the, the crack. Yeah. But I think for uh, Japanese, the Japanese versions, it does. No, this is the type of cartridge it was. We're looking at Streets of Rage 2. But something else that I learnt recently was that, luckily for us here in Australia, Aussie Soft, who, who manufactured a lot of games, apparently were so cheap that rather than using Torx screws, they used Phillips head screws, <laughs> Yeah, which makes it even easier. <laughs> so, um, yeah, lucky for us, it's super easy to open them up. But still, I reckon in a retail environment for a game 
you know, with a price ticket of $350, they're not going to go, yeah, sure, get a screwdriver and pull this thing apart. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if they were open to doing that. I didn't think you would ask, but I was just no. curious. <laughs> but um, I felt really awkward about it to the point where, you know, I'm inspecting this stuff and my hands are shaking because, mm. like, you know, this guy's sort of looking at me going, what what the fuck are you doing? Did they um, did they come across that way? Like they No, weren't... they didn't. That's just my, you know. Because anything that's a collector's item, I think it's reasonable to want to closely inspect it. Mm, mm. You know, when it's something that's got value beyond the original retail price, mm. you know, it's fair enough that maybe you'd want to see, like, is there creases in the manual? Mm. You know, is mm. there, you know, is the artwork totally intact and all that sort of stuff? Because that's all part of the value, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he didn't seem to mind. I think it was just more sort of my own... Mm. I don't know, just... Self-consciousness. Yeah, self-consciousness. And so, yeah, I was looking at it and as I was explaining this all to him, I was leafing through the manual and then I noticed, just as I was saying like a key point to him, just stamped in the bottom corner was a thing saying, back up your reproductions. Mm. I was like, ah. Then I sort of pointed that. I pointed at it and I said, yeah, so... This is a reproduction. Mm. He was like, oh, yeah, okay. He didn't seem to actually care, to be honest. <laughs> but, wow. Um, then I said, oh, you know, it's it's entirely possible the case and the cartridge is real mm. and maybe just the manual is a reproduction. Mm. But I said, yeah, I'm going to pass on this mm. on this particular occasion. And he said, yeah, that's fine and put mm. it back in the window. And then later on, I looked on eBay and I did find a seller in New Zealand called Back Up Yo Reproductions. Mm-hmm. And he's got pictures of our Days Before Christmas manuals, mm-hmm. reproduction manuals, um, covers mm-hmm. for cartridges, but not actually cartridges. Okay. And the That's... cover for this game actually looked very aged, like it had tears, it was mm-hmm. a bit yellowed. Okay. It looked to be the real thing. Right. But someone who's... Willing to make just a hundred bucks quickly, mm. you know, who knows what they can invent to try and make a label look particularly yeah. dated and stuff mm. like that. So, you could never tell without ripping open the cartridge. Mm. So, yeah, I passed on it. The whole thing of, of reproductions, it's kind of, it's an interesting discussion and somewhat of a double-edged sword because, you know, if you had a like a days before Christmas and you had the card and the box but no manual, Mm. you know, is it really wrong to get a reproduction manual and put it in Mm. with that and then at least you kind of have a complete set even though you know it's not genuine? Yeah. You know, I mean, to then obviously go to a game trader and say, here, I've got this genuine game Mm. that's Mm. worth this much, Mm. you know. Mm. um, Obviously, that's not really very good but... yeah. if you were just having it in a collection, uh, I can't see anything wrong with, you know, printing a reproduction manual just because yeah. it'd be hard to find the manual. Yeah. You're never going to find it on mm. its own. Mm. So you might as well just have a reproduction just for the sake of having a sort of complete set. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. And I suspect that that's the case, that mm. it was an original game, original cartridge, and they just got a reproduction manual. Mm. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to tell. And it was, 
It was also interesting when I did call up and ask if the game was still in the window, they did specifically mention, oh, yeah, and it's it's even got the manual. Mm. Um, and also, with it not having the manual, that sort of should reduce the price. Mm. And if the person did have that game and then get a reproduction manual and sold it to game traders, they should have said, this is a reproduction manual. Mm. But whether they actually care, who knows? Yeah, probably, probably not. Do you think if it didn't have the manual, would you have considered buying it for a cheaper price? Or yeah, actually, I I would have bought it for three forty nine for just the case and the cartridge. Hmm. But you should have asked them to open it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've still got it, as far as I know. It's still on if the people table. Are keen, it's not too late. If people want to explore <laughs> that more than I did. Oh wait, so so you didn't buy it? So then no. it's got nothing to do with not going to. The Parkley Markets uh, market. <laughs> Maybe it'll be there. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Shall I go? Hmm. Um, I had some retro pickups in these last two weeks. So I got two new Mega Drive games. You just reached over and grabbed them. Yeah, so I've got them here with us because I thought it might be fun to actually have a look at them. Um, partly because they do have the manuals and it's quite funny actually to look at the manuals. Can I have a look at them and see if I can find some reproduction? <laughs> <laughs> Back up, yo. Oh, I'd be heartbroken. No, I'm pretty sure these are pretty real or genuine. Mm. I mean... Can I take a squeeze at Yeah, the... so that's kind of the idea is I thought you guys might like to have a look at these. And so the first one is called Atomic Runner. And it's a game that I don't know how well known it is. Um, Isn't it called Rygar? I, don't, I have no idea. Name? I've only ever known it as Atomic Runner. And it's a game that I've totally forgotten about. But since I've been looking at games again i saw it and i had these really vague memories um from when i was a kid and i looked at like screenshots from the game and i remembered i don't know if we hired it when i was a kid but it's a side-scrolling shooter somewhat like r-type but it's then i guess crossed with a platformer so it's a, don't they term it like a run and gun i don't know maybe it can I, be now. I kind of got the feeling that it plays somewhat like Ghouls and Ghosts or Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, or... so a run and gun. Right, so because I, I haven't played much of that, of Ghosts and Goblins. Um, yeah, sorry. I haven't played much of Ghosts and Goblins, so I don't really actually know much about how it plays. But when I was playing this, I was thinking from what I've seen of Mark playing, it seems a lot like that kind of feeling so the screen is constantly moving from left to right and I guess different in a different way to Ghosts and Goblins, you can't actually run backwards. So you are constantly running forwards unless you hold back or down to crouch. Um, when you're crouching or when you're holding back, you'd stopped in the spot that you're in. Hmm. But you don't ever go backwards, <laughs> which is an interesting mechanic because... Um, as you go along in the game, you pick up upgrades and stuff for your weapons. But if you shoot an enemy 
while he's behind you and he drops the upgrade behind you, you can't get that upgrade because <laughs> you're not ever running uh, backwards. Wait, you're always so you running can't forwards. move backwards at all? Not at all, except okay. in some boss fights. Right. So, or perhaps all boss fights. Yeah, I just had a look on Wikipedia. I thought it was Rygar. It's not Rygar. It's known as Chelnov. Right, because that's the name of the character. Hmm. So that makes sense. So hmm. the main character, that's the main character's name. And basically, the story is, I was thinking of reading this from the manual, but it's actually a lot longer than I thought when I originally had that idea. And then I looked at the manual, it's a lot longer. So hmm. I'll just give you a summary. I'm <laughs> sure the story is very thrilling. Oh, it's so, um, hmm. it's like Steven Spielberg, hmm. um, eat your heart out. You should make Atomic Run of the Movie dot <laughs> com. <laughs> Um, I think the world has been taken over by these alien robots or something. Oh, my and God. the character's dad is an inventor who invented this suit, the atomic suit, which shoots all these different weapons and stuff. Anyway, his sister is kidnapped, and I think his dad is killed. And so he gets into the atomic suit and goes off to fight the alien robots. Hmm. <laughs> Because they're both alien and robots. Well, of course. Yeah. And um, gets captured. And then the first level is when you're escaping from being captured. Yeah. And so that's the story of the game. So you have to rescue your sister. And yeah, there's all different weapons. Um, like laser. The, the basic weapon is a laser. And there's a boomerang. And just a whole different... There's a whole bunch of different ones, and it's quite fun. Um, hmm. Did you say you have played it, or you haven't played it yet? So I played it a fair bit. Oh, okay. Um, leading up to this, and I was actually really enjoying playing it. So I think the the platforming element of it I enjoyed, hmm. and also the fact that you can't go backwards. So you really have to think about what you're doing and and plan what you're doing. Hmm. Um, but that also means that. It becomes a bit of a memorization thing too um, because you have to know what's coming up and how to react to what's coming up. Hmm. Um, and it's got me thinking about, you know, memorization in games and I think people talk about it like it's a bad thing. And I can't say that in this game that I felt like it was bad. I've really been enjoying playing this game hmm. and I've... It's kind of funny because I maybe would play it for like half an hour or something and in that time probably have five or six games maybe hmm. um, and put it down and then maybe the next day I'd come back to it and I definitely felt a pull to want to play it some more hmm. and I started out, I remember the beginning, I couldn't get past the first boss and as I got better and knew what was coming, I got better um, and I could survive throughout the level till I got to the boss. And the boss was much easier if you didn't die because you had all your weapon upgrades. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, and I think I remember you saying something like that about ghouls and goblins, ghosts and goblins. <laughs> I, I'm confused about what it's called. And there's different versions, right? Yeah, yeah. There's ghosts and goblins, ghouls and ghosts. Right. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Mixtures of ghosts and ghouls and goblins. <laughs> stuff like that. Is there the ultimate ghosts and ghouls and goblins? <laughs> there ghosts. is, actually. 
There's it's, uh okay, you asked for it. <laughs> there's ghosts and goblins, then there's ghouls and ghosts, then there's super ghouls and ghosts, then there's ultimate ghosts and goblins. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the pantheon. Okay. Mm. Um yeah. But no, in that particular instance, that's not really the case. I mm. mean, if you lose your power ups, you don't really get power ups in the Ghouls and Ghosts mm. series. Okay. I might have mentioned this in games like R-Type. Yep. Where if you're, say, on third level, you die and you lose all your power-ups, mm. you're fucked. Mm. You generally can't get right. much further. That's right. It was R-Type where you said that. Now I remember. Mm. And I feel like you shouldn't be screwed. I guess it's just harder to win if you don't have the yeah. power-up. Mm. But and, and that definitely was the case. Well, actually... So in the second, the first boss is fairly easy once you know the pattern. Um, the second boss was, I couldn't beat it without, if, I, I'd, if I'd survived through the level, I was okay. Or actually, I didn't need to survive through the level. I just needed to survive a bit before the boss fight. Because if you die at the boss, you only get like two upgrades and that's not enough. Hmm. Um the main reason I found was because the basic weapon, which is the laser, um, it didn't... So there's... Okay, so this boss thing is like this statue that drops from the sky and you have to shoot it in the eyes and between Classic. where it stands, there's two platforms and you can stand on the platform and just shoot it in the eye. Um and if you have the basic weapon, which is the laser, it doesn't hit the eye from that standing platform position. Hmm. But if you survived before, like from halfway through the level, you'll have the boomerang, which has a wider shot thing, mm -hmm. which will hit the boss. Hmm. So if you have the boomerang, the fight's easy. Hmm. <laughs> if you don't, it means that you have to like jump down onto the floor and then shoot angled up into the boss's eye rather than standing on the platform. And that mm. makes it harder because you have to jump over the boss. And, yeah, it's it's heaps harder that way. And I haven't actually been able to win in that case. Mm. Um, but it's really easy if I get to that level, get to the boss with the boomerang. Mm. Um, it's no problem at all. Mm. So, yeah, that made me think of that. Mm. Um, so, but another thing I was going to say about this game is it has mini bosses too. So there's a mini boss in the middle of each level and then a main boss at the end. And I was curious to know if that's if ghouls and goblins or one of its iterations <laughs> yeah. is like that. Does it have bosses? It has bosses. It doesn't have mini bosses though. Okay. It has distinct uh breaks in a stage. So when mm. you get halfway through a stage the, the level almost entirely changes, mm -hmm. like you're doing something completely different. Mm -hmm. In some instances, you might be going horizontal and then the next half you're going vertical, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff, but mm -hmm. it doesn't have mini bosses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that's one of the cool things about this game is that, yeah, there's bosses, mini bosses, and then it almost feels partly like um, Gundam, mm -hmm. Gundam Heroes. Mm-hmm. Where you can shoot in um, like eight directions. Actually, no, that's it's not true in this game. You mean Gunstar Heroes? Gunstar Heroes. That's what I'm thinking mm. of. I always get the word confused. 
which I'm sure sounds really bad because everyone should know Gunstar Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> That's another hard game to get. Yeah. Very expensive. Mm. Mm. So uh, in this, you can't shoot down except when you jump, holding a direction, you, can, you do a, a flip. And when you do the flip, the shot goes in whatever direction his body is facing at the time. So you can actually mm, shoot very like in a full circle. Yeah, and it's pretty cool because I think there's some... I don't know if there's some secrets, but there's uh, like some gaps. In the first level, there's some gaps with like these little um, things that shoot fire from the, these holes. Mm-hmm. And you can actually shoot them, but the only way to do it is to do a flip and time it right so that when mm. you're pointing down, it fires at that thing. Yeah, right. And I feel like if you kill the the fire shooting things and then drop down there might be some kind of secret Hmm. but i haven't tested out this theory yet right (laughs) but um yeah it's a it's a quick way of shooting backwards um yeah it's speaking of shooting backwards so the controls control scheme was interesting there's lots of options in terms of controls the default option is, so on the Mega Drive, you've got A, B, and C buttons, hmm. three buttons. Um, a was jump, B is shoot, and then C was to change directions. But you had to be holding on the digital direction pad which direction you wanted to face and then press the C button. But it was very um, laggy, like, well, not laggy, but there seemed to be some kind of buffer if you change directions, you couldn't. You needed like a second to change back or something like that. Which, when mm. you're playing like a a run and gun type game, you got it you right. Know, every second matters. <laughs> yeah, um, you got the genre right. <laughs> um, and so, after playing like that for a while and getting frustrated, I decided to switch to a different control control scheme because I noticed there's lots of options in the options. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I actually mentioned the the way that it works, but even though you're always running forwards, you can actually turn around and shoot backwards. You just can't move backwards. You just can't move backwards, yeah. But shooting backwards is dangerous because if you shoot an upgrade thing, like because the robots, some some of the robots carry the upgrades, Hmm. you know, like lots of video games. Um, And if you shoot that and it's behind you, you, you can't get it. So that's a really weird mechanic. It is weird, but I, I it's actually fun because it means that you have to be careful hmm. what you're shooting. So I, I thought it was fun. And anyway, so I switched to uh, the and uh, one of the control schemes in the options, which is you using um, A to shoot backwards. And then B is jump, and C is to shoot forwards. So yeah, that's very Double Dragon Two like. Okay. Mm. Right. But nice. I found it way more intuitive, and then it got me thinking why that wasn't the default option to begin with. It doesn't mm. make sense to have, you know, the C button to be the button that changes direction, and then you have to also hold down which direction you want to face. Hmm. I don't understand why they would... Are you questioning their QA department? 
<laughs> I think I'm questioning the design department. <laughs> I probably shouldn't bother. I mean, it's a pretty whole game. That was another reason why I had the case, so I could say it's from 1992. 92, wow. That yeah. is a while ago. I was still playing Commodore 64 games in 92. Really? Hmm. I was, yeah, I was playing Mega Drive games as well, but I was also playing Commodore 64 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But cool. Yeah, and fun Streets games. of Rage 2. Yep. Yeah, so I also I got Streets of Rage 2. I don't think it much of an introduction. Everyone knows Streets of Rage 2. One of the, I was going to say best. I guess it is one of the best... Mega Drive games there mm. is. Yep. One of the best soundtracks. Dare yes. I say one of the best beat 'em ups. <laughs> yes. So we can get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This game is a game that I played so much when I was younger. This is also nineteen ninety two. So this is obviously number two in the series. There's also number three. But number two built a lot on what they already had. Mm. from number one yeah it's funny playing streets of rage 2 going back to number one number one feels very limited mm. Mm. yeah i would agree with that um it does especially having i really don't like the way the special moves are in number one in comparison to number two is that just the cop car comes along and yeah. blows everything up yeah that's really boring yeah yeah i mean i guess it um it's kind of like a bomb i guess yeah um but i feel like it interrupts the action a lot mm. because the whole game freezes and then the screen scrolls back to the beginning of the level and you see the cop car drive up and then it shoots the little missile which comes along and lands where the characters are standing but they are some somehow invincible immune. from yeah. that and inevitably, the person you're playing with accidentally presses the button all the time. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to go take a whiz. Okay. Keep talking. because I never looked at the manuals back in the day when I used to play these but now I have um, and one of the things I learned from reading the manual is that all the moves actually have names oh wait <laughs> does does uh, Axel's forward forward punch have a name uh, I don't think okay so it's not that specific but um, where is it uh, weapons when you know when you press the attack button repeatedly hmm. and do like your combo, yeah. that's called fury. Fury. <laughs> I don't know why it's called fury when it gains rage. So I um so I read this like a while ago, and then the other day after reading this, I was thinking, wait, was it? Did it say flurry? And maybe I just oh. read it wrong. But oh. no, it says fury. Because flurry makes sense, because it's yeah. like a combo attack. How do you know? Oh, it'd be two R's. Well, it's it's spelt different. 
Well, Flurry has an L in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, if the, but the print on the manual, what if we just request together? It's pretty clear. It says Fury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so press B button repeatedly. Axel does two, jab, two jabs, one straight and a middle kick and a high kick. Mm, yeah. That's what it says. Blaze does two jabs, an elbow smash, and a high kick. Yep. Yes. Okay, and then let's see. So blitz. So that's when you press the direction forward, forward, and then attack. That's called blitz. Oh, it does say that Axel's blitz move is called grand upper. Ah, here we go. And Blaze's blitz move is called vertical slash. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Grand Uppa. <laughs> and then, but um, in Streets of Rage Three, he's not saying that. No, I think he, he says bare knuckle. Yeah. So Max's blitz move is power slide, and Skates is super dash dynamite headbutt. Is so I think uh, you pro- probably don't know the answer to that question, so I won't bother. <laughs> I was gonna say I think. Skate's the only person that can actually dash in the game. But He's I could on be wrong. skates, it makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. Okay, rear attack. They do actually all have names, so this is B blood B button plus C button. Yeah. Axel's rear attack is called backhand punch. Blaze's three sixty foot sweep. Max's yeah. mule kick. And skate is back fa- backflip kick. Hmm. Hmm. I've discovered that all the moves actually have names because I read the manual for the first time. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> and all the... Yeah. I'm not going to read them all because there's a lot in here, but... Hmm. Oh, there is actually a flurry. Each character has a cycle of two to three attack moves if you continue pressing... What? It says fury here. Each fighter has a cycle of four to five regular attack moves. If you continue pressing B button, the cycle will continue until your enemy falls away. That's called Fury. This says Flurry. Oh, that's hold. Okay, when you're holding an opponent, it's called a Flurry. Okay. Hmm. But when you're not holding them, it's called Fury. Okay. Well, of course. <laughs> that's so obvious. I wonder if this is a result of just being translated from Japanese. Hmm. It could be. Yes. And the um, the drop attack, which I've learned, is ripped straight from Final Fight. <laughs> hmm. Which is when you jump and you hold down and press attack. It does yeah. an attack yeah. that doesn't knock them down yeah. so that you can continue with a combo. Yeah, straight into a hold. Yeah. I, I didn't know that move existed until when I played it a few nights ago. Oh. Yeah, right. You that's that. why I was like, oh, that's so new and interesting. They <laughs> 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 invented this. <laughs> and then told someone that it was something that was unique to Streets of Rage. And Mark promptly told me that I was absolutely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. Yeah, so mm. I got that, which is exciting. Um, hmm. Because that is a game that you love and it's a game that everyone loves, really. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty much... It's one of the games that represents the Mega Drive for me. Mm. When I think about Mega Drive, this is pretty much... This, even 
this iteration, like as in Streets of Rage 2, is the game, I think, for me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the best of the series. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Shall we move on? It's time for a River Raid update. <laughs> so in this episode, well, <laughs> you left far too much dead air there. <laughs> That's my style. All oh, right. It's okay. all right. I can That's edit good. it out. So I guess last time... Yeah, it's his style. You can't edit his style out. Okay. I won't edit it out. I was waiting. I had submitted the board to Osh Park and I was you waiting for it to come back. Hands. Yeah, and I have they've arrived. Well they came yesterday. Oh wow. One, and that's can I can have I a feel? feel? Yeah. I'm having a feel first. Oh I get I'm gonna rub thirds. it on my crotch so you can't oh, feel it. Oh I don't want it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so what we have here is tiny little well, I mean the size for an Atari cartridge. Are there meant to be holes PCB. in yeah. the middle here? Oh yeah that's part of that's my design. Oh why did you design it like that? Because you can't fit both the chips side oh. by side, so I've got to stack them back to back on the board. BBS was here. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> BSS was here. <laughs> <laughs> BBS, indeed. <laughs> so I started putting one together yesterday. Um, as soon as it came, so I've got all the other parts I need. So I got socket, and, and it was you know, three chips and that. Three of them. Just three, yeah. Um, but I only had one, you know, I only have one ROM chip, one socket. I'm looking know. at one right now. <laughs> and I soldered the, the ROM socket in and then flipped it over to put the socket for the, the other thing, which is the inverter and mm-hmm. realized I'll never be able to, I wouldn't be able to solder it in. So I got to, ah, oh, undo Why? the, well, if you can, you can look at it there. So I've got to put the, there's not enough space in the holes is that what you're saying no well you you put the so the rom's going on one side oh i see inverter's yep. going on the other side yeah and i put the rom socket in first and then flipped it over to put the other one in and realized i'll never be able to get the soldering iron in between the socket i just put in so i'm trying to desolder the socket that i already put on and just broke it so nice yeah what in what in what way did you break it it's actually really hard to desolder 28 pins you know, perfectly, and then pry off the part that you were trying to get rid of. In and what so, way? <laughs> well, apparently I got uh, about 22 of the pins desoldered correctly, and when mm. I tried to pull the socket off, you know, you got to crack them a little bit, unless mm. you're really perfect. And and a bunch of the pins were stuck behind in the board. Oh. So I broke the socket. I don't have a spare one, so that's why that's why it wasn't finished today, and I still don't know if it works. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. The board <laughs> looks cool though. Looks, I found it looks well made. So does that's that mean professional board house? Professional board house. Well, that's what they do. I mean, for a living, what that's what that's what they do. So, speaking as someone who doesn't know much about this sort of thing, hmm. does that mean you need to redesign the board? I do, but not for that reason. Okay. So the the, pro- the other problem I've discovered is that it doesn't even fit in the cartridge housing that i got it's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too big no and you mean um, you sacrificed boxing for nothing no well, i'm gonna get another one made i got so i've got to re- revise the board right. send it away to off park again and have them print another one oh. yeah this is really and, good quality and it could PCB. get caught up in australian customs again <laughs> <laughs> yes the box from Osh park was inspected by australia's 
Department of Agriculture and Water or whatever it is. <laughs> Why For then? For biosecurity hazard, I don't know. That's bizarre. Yeah. Biosecurity. Was here. So that's not actually anything to do with drugs, as I suggested earlier in the week. But isn't that what they do? I, d- I don't know. Biosecurity. Oh, it's like, did I ship some bugs and spiders and things into the country? <laughs> So why why have you got an Activision written on this board? I do. Yeah, A twenty six hundred Activision V one. Ah, because the Activision carts are different to the Atari non Activision carts. The shape of the board is different. But so just not- in case I make one not for an Activision cartridge, the shape would have to be different. Oh, okay, I get it. Hmm. I feel like That's you right should then. write like just because just because of Activision's. Massiveness, 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 mm. and um, <laughs> sometimes I just like to say words weirdly. Like Obviously, m- minute massiveness. Well, minute's actually a word, but I'm thinking a minute. I just realised um, we haven't said foot bag yet, so I just thought I'd <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Maybe you should put like actor viewing or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> But it's but what if they they were not going to do anything? They're not going to touch yeah. me. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. So the the problem with that it's too big to fit in the thing. It's these top parts are too the top most part of the cartridge is too wide, and you could just file it down. But I, what I my dumb design, I put one of these traces all the way up to the edge. Mm, so if right. I file it down, actually it won't. It'll I'll just break the thing anyway. Mm. So. But I thought those Atari cartridges were huge compared to the PCB. Yeah, but, well, the Activision ones, the space you have is quite limited. It's about this. Um, I mean, you can make it bigger if you cut a hole in it and have, like, it'd be more complicated. You could do it, Mm. I guess, to Mm. make it bigger, yeah. Mm. So this one, I probably will still put together, but it will have to be like this, just the bare board into the Atari to test it out. Yeah. So this is version one. (laughs) Cool. Version 2 coming soon. Coming soon. My next thing, I've been playing uh, a lot of Ghouls and Ghosts. Oh. We might have talked about Ghouls and Ghosts previously. <laughs> not Ghosts and Goblins. No, not Ghosts and Goblins on this particular occasion. Not, not ghouls Super and Ghouls and Ghosts. Ghouls and Goblins? Not Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins. Um, no, just Ghouls <laughs> and Ghosts. And the reason being um, Tenpence Arcade podcast... As we've talked about before, they do a competition every two weeks. Mm-hmm. They choose a game, everyone plays the game, they take pictures of their scores, they post it to Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and at the end they total up the scores, see who won, etc., etc., etc. choose and your game, the game? They chose my game. Wow. Hence why the stakes were so high. Mm. Mm. You have something to prove. I did have something to prove. <laughs> Um, so I played 
Yeah, I played a lot. Well, actually, I only played a total of six games. Mm. But the thing about Ghouls and Ghosts, if you're doing a, a good score, you're playing for many hours. Mm-hmm. So I ended up posting a new personal best of 937,100, I think it was. Sounds like a lot of points. That took me four sounds and a like, half hours. Sounds like a lot of dead goblins. Yeah. <laughs> took me four and a half hours the day after I was sore all over. Really? Feet, calves, thighs, hands, wrists, forearms. Well, when you're playing for four and a half hours and you're literally just smashing away on that, that button for that amount of time. Were you standing? Yeah, I was standing. Yeah, so... Uh, wow. But it was still a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Cool. There was one guy who who did beat my score. Really? Yeah, he just got over a million. Mm. Um, and, you know, I could have tried again, but investing another probably five hours or so doing another mm. game wasn't going to happen. What did the guys on the podcast get? Um, they haven't released the new podcast yet. So the scores aren't up, mm. but uh, they got, I think they got something like 30,000 <laughs> and 15,000. Most of the scores were in the 30,000 range. Mm-hmm. There was one other guy, Tagster, Sean Tagster, um, who does the Arcade Perfect podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got, I think, 170,000, mm-hmm. something like that. So he was, he's probably going to end up. About third place. Mm-hmm. And then there's me at 900 and then that other guy at a million. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I've pl- been playing a shitload of Ghouls and Ghosts. Mm. Yeah. And loving it. Yeah. I mean, six games doesn't sound like much, but if they're four hours each. Yeah. It's a fair time investment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I'm currently having an internal debate whether it's my favorite arcade game of all time. Mm. Mm. What's what else is on the table? Hmm. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat Two. Mm-hmm. Street Fighter Two. Street Fighter Two. Hyper Fighting. Mm-hmm. Bubble Bubble. Um, wow. Splatterhouse. You're not even good at that game. <laughs> <laughs> Which game? Bubble Bubble. Yeah. I'm all right at that game. Oh. I might be confusing it with something else. You might be. The um, you mentioned. So. Was it Puzzle Bobble we talked about? Oh, Puzzle yeah, Bobble. Yeah, maybe yeah, it's I'm that. Yeah, shit at Puzzle Bobble. Okay, right. But Bubble Bobble, I'm all right at. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm currently having that internal debate because mm-hmm. I've been really enjoying playing Ghouls and Ghosts. So, the other thing that happened to me recently, mm-hmm. I also mentioned last time that I have, you know, my 6-switch Atari 2600. Mm-hmm. I'm so Atari biased, aren't I? And <laughs> it's all you talk about, man. I know. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And my friend Atari happens to be in my home. This is the one that I mentioned, I think, that we started modding and never finished. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd just look at it and see if I can get it working. Mm-hmm. And I realized, well, I found out the reason why we never got the mod done. The instructions we had were, you know, for a different revision, I think I said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This Atari 2600, it's... um completely different to anything you would expect it's actually a 128 in one console a what 
it's it's got games built into it. We I didn't know this. My friend didn't know this either. He'd only ever put cartridges in play, right? But actually, if you turn it on with no cartridge in it, it goes to all these built-in games. Oh, 128 of them. Yeah. And see, I didn't even... Really? I should have known this looking at the board because Atari 2600, 2600 usually has just three big chips on it. There's a CPU, you know, the memory and IO and the video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this has four other giant chips on it, socketed ROM chips, which I only realized just looking at it recently, that's what was going on. <laughs> Huh. So was that a thing that they made back in the day? It's a bit funny. Um, apparently, so I went and read about it a bit, and apparently you could have bought this at big department stores. Mm-hmm. It says Atari on it. It looks legit. Even when you open the case, all the, like the things say copyright Atari and all this. So mm. if it was not legit, would it say mm. that? Would they bother doing the inside the same? Probably not. But... Um, so because this board was so different, I reverse engineered enough of it to figure out how to do the AV mod to it. And I've got the mod working. All right. Right. And so I switch on the console and, and look at the games that are in there and they're all basically not legit. They're hacks. They're like, so for example, there's, there's a river in there. It plays the same, but they've removed the Activision (laughs) graphic from it. You know, there's a frogger in there. Have you have you, you looked up on the internet to see if you can find where this thing has come from? Um, like maybe this is super rare, or maybe it's just seems a quite rare. From That's why the mod didn't have an instruction for it. Hmm. Because who has these, right? And I think they're only well. The implication is they only seem to be in Australia. Really, hmm. so all I've really got to go on is a FAQ on Atari Age and some other guy posting photos in the forum. Right. And this console I've got sitting in front of me at home. Wow. And meanwhile, you've murdered it with a mod. Well, I, I mean, we'd, <laughs> we'd already broken it, you know, before. But now I... The other funny thing is I'm, I'm installing the mod for S-Video. Mm-hmm. Um, but optionally also composite. So you could flick a switch and do one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did the 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 luma part of the thing and i plugged it into my pvm Mm -hmm. to see what would happen and i'm expecting it just to be black and white but i plugged into the composite anyway switch on and it had color and Hmm. i have no idea why it has color but whatever it's like i've completed the mod but i've only actually done half of it (laughs) i don't know what's going on (laughs) wow i can't add anything to that no i'm (laughs) sort of yeah a bit at a loss for words because yeah. that sounds like you've got something really unusual. It's unusual. Like mm. I, I know yeah. other countries like, you know, Brazil and countries like that would produce these weird version of, of you know, popular consoles. Mm. Maybe it's something like that or... Maybe. Hmm. And... Well, then the next funny thing is these ROM chips are actually the same size as the ROM that I'm making. It's a 28-pin chip. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm looking at it going, what if I just put my game in here? Would it play it? Oh, wow. I don't know. Maybe. You have mm. to try. Well, I was going to say you have to try it. But meanwhile, you could be destroying something that's worth thousands of yeah. dollars. So probably the first step would be to take the ROM chips here that are in it, dump them, and then figure out what's the pin out. Hmm. 
ultimately you would chuck those those ROMs out and put your own games in, or put your favorite games in it. Mm. I think all, all first this... step is really researching to see what you actually have before you start, you know, hacking away at it. Well, they're just sockets, so you can put it back to normal. Like, what if you rip the socket out? No, I'm not going to desolder anything. <laughs> yeah, that was a different problem, a different mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you never know with these old chips, though. You try and pull an old chip oh. out and legs will fall off and I'd be careful. Yeah, look, the built-in games, are, I mean, I, I don't know that really you would want them. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe this is like super rare. It could be worth a huge amount of money. I mean, the Atari's... It's more now because I've got the AV mod in it. <laughs> but I think, isn't it like, it's not, it's not just that it might be rare, it's... A combination of being rare and desirable that makes it valuable. Yeah. Mm. Right. So it may be rare, but that doesn't mean it's desirable. Because yeah, if they're wrong, every like Atari is like huge in the retro gaming community. Mm. I'm considering it more desirable than even if it wasn't rare because mm. it, I mean it, it's like this is the NES Mini, this is the <laughs> whatever. I can put all the best games into yeah. this thing. <laughs> and you don't need your cartridge collection. Yeah. You know, mm. Well, you know, you need a CRT, I guess, but mm. turn it on, there's all the games. Mm. Mm. It's a safe state. I really want to know what this is. Okay. There'll have to be an update next podcast. Well, I mean, I'm going to continue modding it. Um, yeah, we'll see. Mm. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Talking of repairs, not repairs, modding. Mm-hmm. Um. I've been repairing some stuff in my arcade. Uh, as I might have mentioned before, I've got some issues with my dedicated Mortal Kombat. Um, the monitor's kind of flicking dark and bright. It's also got some lines up the top. Um, that's cool. I sort of, you know, looked at the chassis and realized what, what uh, manufacturer it is and I have to order the parts and all that kind of stuff. Um... So that's as far as I've got with that one. I understand what I need. Just need to order them. Um, but I've also got a Commodore 64 monitor, which uh, I've been, kind of been a little bit hesitant to get stuck into because it's a little bit different uh, compared to a lot of monitors I've worked on because this has got like a built-in power supply, some AV stuff. Um, uh, yeah, but... Uh, on the weekend, I decided to get stuck into it and play around and pull the chassis out. And, and again, I've taken some photos. And um, so I think I know what parts I need now because I know what the problem is. It's got vertical collapse. You turn the machi- turn the monitor on and it's just got a vertical line in the center, which is mm-hmm. vertical collapse. That's generally the horizontal output chip, um, transistor. So I'll probably get one of those. How do you know all this stuff? So I've watched a lot of videos from John's Arcade Mm -hmm. on YouTube where he um, does a lot of monitor repair. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they're just kind of things I've picked up Mm -hmm. as I watched all these videos. Mm. And I've repaired two monitors myself now. So you just kind of get a feel for what might be wrong. Yeah. Okay. Um... But as I was sort of posting this stuff to Twitter as well, um, this guy, Misfit, um, he said, uh, do you do the old 
earth screwdriver in the back of the CRT to pop the stored electricity. Um, and I said, yeah, that's, that's generally what I do. And he, he said he blew out the side of his thumb doing that years ago. And it's kind of a good reminder that that stuff is not only dangerous, but it can kill you mm. if you're not careful. So how how could he have... Okay, first of all, what does blown out the side of your thumb mean? Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it sounds bad. Yeah. Whatever I mean, it, it could means. be a burn. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And then how can that happen by doing what... What are you doing? So the monitors, um, the tube holds a very big charge. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it's it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when the monitor's off and not doing anything for a month or anything like that, it holds that charge in the mm-hmm. tube mm-hmm. because it's, I don't know, it's a vacuum, right? Mm. Um, and on the tube is what's called a anode cup, which is mm-hmm. like a suction, suction cup that sticks into a hole in the top of the tube. Mm. And I don't know the technical, uh, you know, aspects of this, but... That's where, like, the electricity... Actually, I don't know anything at all. (laughs) I just know that that's the dangerous part. Okay. (laughs) Um, And so what you're meant to do is... Well, one way you can do it is get a screwdriver. You get a wire attached to the metal part of the screwdriver Mm -hmm. and then attach the other end of that wire to the monitor chassis, Mm -hmm. which is the metal surrounds of Mm -hmm. the tube. Mm -hmm. And then you get that screwdriver holding the plastic end, make Mm. sure it's plastic, Mm. and push it underneath the anode cup, which is the suction cup, Mm -hmm. and then pry that cup off the top of the monitor. Mm -hmm. And if it's charged, which it generally would be, the electricity will jump out of that hole, Mm -hmm. down the screwdriver, Mm -hmm. obviously won't go past the plastic, go across the wire, into the chassis, Mm -hmm. and then... Something to do with the tube being at the front and the chassis around the outsides acts as an insulator Mm -hmm. and then takes out that charge. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know the technical aspects of how that works, but that's what you do. Mm -hmm. Now, if there's anything particularly wrong with your setup, when you're popping that screwdriver underneath, that electric charge is going to jump onto the screwdriver and then potentially jump onto your hand. Mm -hmm. And that's where it can kill you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it's particularly dangerous, Mm -hmm. but I like to think I take a little bit more caution than others. Even John's arcade that I've watched in videos, Mm. he'll just quickly attach his wire to the chassis and then, you know, fiddle and pop off the anode cup. Whereas I, every time attach the wire to the chassis and then get a multimeter out, Mm. put one end at, on, on the screwdriver tip and mm-hmm. the other end on the chassis, just to make sure you get continuity mm. between those two points. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, okay, there's a, there's a point for the electricity run from there mm. to where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. And then I'll start popping off the anode cup. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm. probably just a good reminder to be mm. careful of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The first time I did that, discharging a monitor, I get... I, I got our Fiona, my wife, to stand in the same room just to make sure that <laughs> if anything went wrong, <laughs> someone could call an ambulance or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
So do you need to discharge it when you're doing work on it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's high voltage. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're pulling the chassis out, the chassis is the basically the PCB that holds all the the logic and things like that. It's attached to the tube mm-hmm. via that anode cup. So if you need right. to get the chassis out, you need to remove that anode cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting and informative. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. And besides that, we went to the Wild Ball Pinball League on the weekend, and we played Total Nuclear Annihilation. Hmm. I've yes. heard that's good. The new pinball machine from Spooky Pinball. Hmm. Hmm. From Spooky Pinball. Hmm. Any questions on TNA? <laughs> um. No, I don't really have specific questions because I don't know. I've heard it's good and the soundtrack's good and mm. yeah. Mm. I'd like to play it, but mm. did you enjoy it? I suppose that would be yeah. The I question guess that I have. <laughs> I was really surprised when I saw it there because I don't think many people knew that it was going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um. I walked in and there it was and I just thought, you know, this is amazing because I've been wanting to play this game for a while. Yeah. Everyone's talking about it. It's mm. a big hit. Mm. All the podcasts are saying, you know, this is a return to classic form. Mm. It's, it's a really simple but interesting rule set. The sound is amazing. Mm. Um, and I was a little bit underwhelmed, mm. to be honest. Um, oh, do you think that's got... Anything to do with your expectations leading into it? I think it's got a lot to do with yeah. that. I think my expectations were built up mm. to a significant degree where mm. I felt like this was an experience that was just going to blow me away. Mm. And could it be that the people that are raving about the game went in with low expectations being earlier, uh, for lack of a better word, experiences of it mm. going in thinking, oh, this is a game designed by someone who is essentially just a guy that just decided to do it, mm. um, you know, not, yeah. you know, one one man, <laughs> yeah. not no, I expecting think much. That could be a part of it as well. And mm. and to explain, this, this game was designed, programmed, uh, the sound was designed and made and as well as the artwork and everything by one guy. Mm. Um, and then Spooky Pimble came along and said, hey, that looks really cool. Let's manufacture it. Yep. And now from there, that's become their most popular game of all time. Mm. They've sold a shitload of them. Yep. And I'm not saying the game is bad or anything like that, any stretch of their imagination. Mm. But I think my expectation was so high that when I actually played it, I felt, eh, yeah, it's a, it's a pinball machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, you know, destroying my senses or... Yeah. You hear these people say, oh, the sound is just so amazing. You launch the ball and mm. then it kicks in. And, mm. and I was, mm, yeah, it's okay. Mm. <laughs> I mm. didn't think it was loud enough. It was mm. pretty soft where we were playing. Yep. So maybe that's a part of it. Yep. I think also I think I'm going through a stage at the moment where I'm not particularly excited by pinball. Mm. Okay. So that would be another aspect to it. Mm. Yep. But, yeah, it didn't have the effect that I thought mm. it would. 
it's funny that what you were saying before when you were kind of impersonating the person raving about the game, it makes me think of, uh, you know, that kind of, I don't know whether to call it an argument or a perspective or the idea of a sunk cost argument as in people who have, you know, made a purchase Mm. then, you know, uh, argue for that purchase yeah, you're gonna back your own yeah yeah because yeah. they're already invested and so they're kind of convincing themselves that it was a good investment mm. but at the same time they're putting forward these arguments to other people who aren't mm. already invested mm. that are basically a biased mm. argument <laughs> yeah yeah and i feel like that's probably part of what's happening with this mm. but um yeah yeah it's and and to be fair i only played two games so i I certainly can't get anywhere near forming an opinion on the game after two games Mm. um it's just yeah it fell a little flat on me um you only played two games is that because it was being played all the time you didn't get a chance to play it more or there's that because you just didn't feel like playing it there's probably that as well um (laughs) Like I said, I'm going through a bit of a flat period with pinball at the moment. Okay. But, you know, going to Wild Ball League, turn up, it's amazing the game's there, quickly get a game in with three other players, you know, heaps of people walking around, you're talking to them, so many distractions. Then I'm off, I'm scoring games for people in the tournament, the tournament's Mm -hmm. running. Mm -hmm. I have my game during the tournament. Because you're one of those silly people that decide to volunteer as a scorekeeper. Pretty much, yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I play my game in the tournament and then, you know, continuing to take scores for people, you're chatting to people, you're drinking a few beers, you're having fun, and then it's the end of the night mm. before you know it. So, yeah, that's, yeah. I would have liked to have played more games, but like you said, there wasn't the time and also I wasn't particularly compelled. You mustn't have been. Mm. What did you think, Matt? You were there. You played it. I liked it. The end. The end. <laughs> he hasn't had the build-up that you had. That's correct. Mm. Yeah, that is uh, true. Probably. I mean, except that I was... I mean, it was the game that everybody was talking about would be at Pincade, and then it wasn't. Ah, uh, that's right, yeah. And so that's that's my build-up for it, really. Mm. The game that wasn't played and then suddenly mm. was right there in front of me. Mm. So you didn't know it was going to be there? No. No. It was a bit of a surprise. Mm. Um, How many times did you play it, Matt? I think three or four. Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, I kind of liked that it was... Well, after it was explained, it was clear what you have to do. So the rules Mm. are quite simple to Mm. understand. Yeah. Because it's not a super complex play field. Mm. Yeah. It's flat like the old school ones. So mm. I think when I mentioned the the rule gate before for pinball, mm. I feel like this is this game is representing the non rule gate category, <laughs> mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I'm certainly a sort of person who enjoys a game who has a bit more simpler rules, mm. and I did enjoy playing it. But again, I, I can't really form an opinion after two games. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
Anyway, that would be me. That mm. would be it for mm-hmm. what we've been doing. Hmm. seen that film mm-hmm. I have not mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm happy for it to be spoiled so don't hold back <laughs> and that means if someone listening doesn't want spoils yeah uh, yes ah so this is the thing that I was thinking that we might need like some kind of interjection voice mm-hmm. that says if you don't want to be spoiled then um, skip to this time. Well, perhaps... If it's the last thing we're doing, then... Perhaps. Well, this will be the last thing we're doing, and it's going to be about 15 minutes, but <laughs> perhaps we can... Um, you guys can talk in general your thoughts and what you thought of the film, mm-hmm. whether you liked it, mm. and then we can get into spoiler territory, so people mm-hmm. can just hear that, okay, you guys liked it, mm. I want to go and see it, mm-hmm. without the story being ruined. That's a good idea. Mm. So spo- I have good ideas sometimes. Spoiler free section mm-hmm. A, phase one. Yeah, so we can talk about the film and then as soon as we decide we're going to go into spoiler territory, we'll, we'll announce that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Go for it. All right. I actually, um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. I'm someone, I haven't had any experience with the book. I haven't read the book. Um, and so I didn't really know much about it. Um, and I wasn't even really someone who was like excited that it was coming out or really knew much about it. All of a sudden it was out and mm. my dad suggested going to watch it. So we did. And yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. So you and watched it with your dad? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um trying to think of what covers spoilers and what doesn't. Um, uh, maybe we'll just see what Matt thought of it. Uh it's quite good. <laughs> quite good. I mean, you know. That's uh, that's huge for you. Is it? Have you read the book? No. I don't I don't read You don't strike me. I don't read fiction. Yeah. Someone who reads books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless they're a manual for something <laughs> So I didn't know much about it going in either Like I just the super basics That mm-hmm. the VR universe And there's a yep. quest More yep. or less to yeah, mm-hmm. An easter egg that the guy had left in there Okay hmm. Yeah see I didn't, even, I, I didn't no. even know it was an easter egg So I Yeah I didn't really know anything about it hmm. It's interesting you say that Because uh Obviously, I haven't seen the film, but with you guys talking about the fact that we might talk about it on the podcast, I thought, oh, maybe there's a chance I'll see the film, but, mm-hmm. I, but I can at least watch the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I watched one of the trailers and I just, I thought it was terrible. Just, the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And 
But there's like 400 trailers. Mm. You know, modern films these days, they have about 3,000 teasers and then mm. different trailers as it's going along. And mm-hmm. and eventually I came across a YouTube thing where it was like a mix of all the trailers together. Mm-hmm. And it started off with the terrible ones and going on. And then the last one that they showed was the one that had the bit about the Easter egg. Mm-hmm. And that was the bit that actually compelled me and thought, okay, that's actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, I thought, was kind of very generic and really boring. Mm, just don't watch trailers. Just yeah. never watch trailers. Yeah, the, trailers always I feel like suck. In, yeah, I feel like in this case, maybe the trailers might have let it down. And I think that that might have to do with the fact that the marketable aspects of the movie, to me, are not necessarily the meaningful aspects of the movie. Mm. So, you know, to you, you say the Easter egg was the most compelling thing that you saw well that makes sense to me because i think that that's probably the most meaningful aspect or part of you know there's probably a few you know meaningful elements but that's one of them Mm. and then i can imagine i haven't even seen the trailers because as i said i didn't see anything really leading up to the movie Mm. but i would imagine that the trailers are just a bunch of like action shots and reference shots because of the idea that it's you know Full of references. Yeah. Yeah, it was very much sort of, you know, our VRs come along and ruined our world and then the corporations are taking it over and mm. the fight back and the resistance. And mm. and I just thought, oh, this has been done so many times. Mm. It's just uninteresting. But then they talked about the whole Easter egg thing. Like, it's the whole Willy Wonka thing, right? Mm. Like, yeah. there's the golden ticket. Yeah. Someone needs to find the golden ticket. Mm. That's fun. That's that's cool mm. and that was the thing that grabbed me but the rest of the stuff was like oh yeah but anyway <laughs> i haven't seen it so i should stop talking <laughs> do you have any other non-spoilery things to say about it matt that it definitely is stacked full of references but they're mm-hmm. not like in the movie they're not in the they're not essential to it they're mm. just things that flash by mm. really quickly mm. references to other games mm. and stuff it's a lot like um uh Fix it, Felix. If you've seen that, Wreck It Ralph. That's right. That's the, <laughs> the wrong one. Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. It, you look in the background and there's there's yeah, all these like characters. All so if you if you could pause it in a cinema and you mm. could go, oh, there's that. Yeah. So it's the sort of thing that if you didn't know the references, you probably wouldn't notice it was there. But yeah. knowing the references, when you see them, you realize, oh, that's a character from such and such game. Yeah. yeah. But you're not missing anything by not knowing the reference. It's just yeah. a character. Yeah, they're all incidental. Yeah, really. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we should get into spoiler territory. Yeah. And we'll probably lead out the podcast with that. So if people don't want the films spoiled for them, they can just end right here. Mm-hmm. Everyone else can continue on. Mm-hmm. So off you guys go. <laughs> so I think that... Um, let's have a look at my notes. So one of the things I think as when I went and looked at some of the reviews of this after seeing the movie, just to get an idea of what, you know, people generally think about it. Hmm. And when you read reviews, really, you're kind of looking at from a cinema perspective, um, what, how people evaluated the movie and a lot of them say um, things like the characters are underdeveloped 
And, you know, in general, I don't think it's getting like super favorable reviews. Oh, really? Um, yeah. But I think for me, everything that I wanted out of it was satisfied in mm. terms of, well, I guess I went in with not really any expectations, but things that I'm passionate about being represented in a certain way, I think were done well. And what I mean by that is, for example, the feeling of being in an online world, like in a game. Mm. And you see that in the way that people are represented in the online world. Um, so people have their avatars and a lot of those avatars are like popular characters and it it's very chaotic and i think that when you play like a game like an mmo that's what it feels like because mm. because of the freedom of choice because every single person that's playing that game has to have that 100% freedom of choice it creates this super chaotic world yeah um and that's what the movie feels like and I think they did a good job of representing what it feels like to be in a game. I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. 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 So I think that that was done well. Like the way people have all the, you know, their names of their characters and that sort of thing. And, Hmm. you know, their inventories that they have. And, um, yeah, it was also shown in the mercenary character. So, I don't think this character is in the book. Um, This is one of the differences. There's this like mercenary who's been hired by, you know, the corporation that's trying to stop them from solving this Easter egg mystery. Hmm. There's this guy who (laughs) is kind of like an elite character or he's like obviously like a hardcore gamer. I think the character's actual name is (laughs) iRock. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And... um. Just the way he behaves and the things that he says is so typical of, you know, a, a, a kind of pro gamer character. So one of the interesting things, though, that also came up in reviews is that there was a lot of criticism that it that all the references promote like gatekeeping in geek culture. What do you mean? So, the idea is that if you don't have certain knowledge, then you're not like a an authentic or you're not like a real, you know, person that's into that thing of whatever it is. I mean, like, often female gamers will come across the issue where they say they enjoy the game... And then they get a lot of flack from male gamers Mm. saying, you're not a real gamer. You're just doing that to make it look like you are to get attention. Yeah. When in fact they are actual real gamers. Mm. But that becomes a confrontational Mm. thing. Mm. Is that where you're going? Yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, I think that, you know, the idea of being a real gamer, like what does that even mean? You know, Mm. if it's... You know, a game is just something you play and enjoy. Why Why do you need to be, you know, hardcore or of a certain standing or I don't know. It doesn't really, 
you know, I, I think that I understand why people think that way and that is because maybe they feel like um, someone's trying to take advantage of them by appearing a certain way. Hmm. Um, as in, you know, the example of, you know, the girl gamer, you know, I think some people probably feel like, you know, they're being taken advantage of from that person who wants to appeal to a certain crowd. Hmm. Um, yeah, and and often it's from a, you know, it's it's an old boys club where, hmm. you know, this is mine. Mm. This is what I love. Um, people who are different um, can't experience it on the level that I do. And anything you say that, you know, you, like saying that you enjoy it as well, you, you're just, it, it's not real and you're making it up and you just, again, you just want attention and mm. stuff like that. So. Mm. Mm. But I don't know how it fits into the context of the film, though. Well, I think that the idea in the film was that there's some elements where certain trivia or knowledge of, you know, pop culture is used as a way of authenticating someone's, uh, someone's, right. yeah, um, authenticity or hmm. authenticating authenticity. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So... It does happen in the movie, but I think it's played down a lot in comparison to the book. So mm. one of the big differences between the book and the movie is that so in the in the movie or in the story, the character is collecting keys, so there's three keys which will unlock the Easter egg, and each key there's a challenge to um, to get the key mm-hmm. in the book, each key the challenge involves video games and i think generally they're atari games but i don't know not in vr much about it no well oh. it's in the vr world oh, but right. you're inside the world like playing an atari game yeah. right um yeah and but i think there's other elements to it as well um but i haven't read the book so i don't know this is mm. just what i've read on wikipedia mm. so there was i think there's some role-playing elements to it as well and mm. um I think one of them, he's actually playing an Atari game, but from like a first-person perspective. So it's like as if he's in a, in the world of the game. Hmm. Um, but in the movie, they actually eliminated that, except for the last challenge, which is the adventure game, um, which I think, you know, the whole uh, sort of kind of story is based on that because of the Easter egg in adventure. This is why uh, podcasts have recently listened to have said prices for adventure cartridges have just skyrocketed. <laughs> <laughs> now it makes sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, what the movie's done, I think, has moved it away from those very specific, like, references to those things to more generic things. Like, the first challenge in the movie is just basically a race, like a car race. Mm-hmm. Um which has a few, like a bunch of references, video game references, but, you know, as Matt said, they're kind of incidental. So if you didn't know what they were, it would just be another character in the Mm. movie. Mm. Um, The second one is The Shining. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Like my second favorite (laughs) film of all time. Yeah. So I feel kind of bad though now because I think that that you would have enjoyed that without being spoilers. It doesn't matter. It's um, all good. 
so they are in the sh- the world of The Shining, you know, and mm. it's quite funny because there's one character who hasn't seen the movie, and of course he's the one that comes across the two little girls, yeah, right. <laughs> and he's like, "Little girls, can you help me?" <laughs> yeah, and ends up okay, in that's cool. in the what number room is it? Uh room. Oh shit. 257 or something? Two, yeah, it's something like that. I should know this. But yeah, it's funny because yeah. it's, it's like all exactly Two, three, like seven. That's the, the movie. He's like the girl's in the bath and she comes out and she's mm. walking towards him and he's like, why aren't you wearing any clothes? You know, and then he's like, all right, I'll go with it. <laughs> and of course, you know, the same old thing happens. Oh, okay, um, maybe I'll have to see this film after all. Oh, you should definitely watch it. <laughs> you should definitely watch it, for sure. Um, and then the third challenge is, yeah, the adventure game. Mm. But, so he, he eventually works out that... What a bizarre thing, though. Why would you have The Shining as a challenge in a video game? There's been no Shining video games ever. Mm. So I think it's got to do with the fact that um, I was reading on the Wikipedia and apparently Steven Spielberg removed a lot of the references to his movies from the screenplay. Right. Because he's had some experience self-referencing before and it was detrimental Mm. or... He had a bad experience relating to self-references. Right. And I think there is still some, like the DeLorean. Um, oh, that's right. But yeah. um, they somehow convinced him to, even though, like The Shining is Stanley Kubrick, but it had mm. something to do with that and evolving into being, you know, his friend's movie or something like that. Yeah, and it's 80s culture, although I wouldn't suggest The Shining is a popular film. Mm. I guess the, I guess it's become more of a meme than a popular film. Mm. Everyone knows the two girls and stuff like mm. that. But yeah, anyway, that's just me being yeah. interested in that particular aspect. So. I mean, I'm not, not sure why they decided to do that, but I think that they definitely... I think it was a good move to move to more like well-known references rather than really specific like um, games that are probably not as well-known. And also not just that, but I think across the board there was more like movie and music references than just video games. So I think that they've tried to expand the audience um, and mm. not be so specific and so dependent on particular um, knowledge. Mm. Yeah, which I think, yeah, is was a good move. Yeah. Um, well, it's got me interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of what else I was going to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I thought, it's funny though, yeah, reading, like, uh, having, I watched the movie and I really enjoyed it and I liked what it had to say and then I went back because I wanted to see what differences were in the book and I was surprised to find that the, um, 
Because if the the challenges were the same as what they were in the book, I wouldn't have understood the references because I don't know Atari games. Because I didn't, I never had an Atari. So, but I know The Shining and obviously, you know, the first challenge wasn't that specific. Maybe I need to read the Wikipedia page. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should have a look at it. Yeah, they were, it's got, yeah, all, I mean, they might not even be Atari games. All I know is they were games I didn't know. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. And I I don't know event, adventure either. So, but I liked the idea that it's all about Easter eggs and the fact that, you know, um, the whole thing with Easter eggs is it's like acknowledging the creator of the game or, I don't know, I'm not really going anywhere with this. No, I, I, I like that aspect because... Easter eggs is such a, it's a video game thing, right? It's mm. a, it's a hidden thing. It's something exciting that you can find, and something that is hidden away. So yeah, that's that's the thing that attracted me to the story of the film. Mm. Um, and I'm glad to hear that that's a that's a part of the film. That's that's a major part of the film. Mm. So yeah, I'm. Somewhat more interested in seeing the film after hearing you guys speak about it. There's a message in the movie, which I don't know if it was in the books, which is to spend time in the real world. So one of oh. the things that, that happens in at the end of the movie is when he wins and gets the Easter egg and gets to take over the Oasis, um, he decides to split it with his friends and so there's five of them that are like joint owner operators mm-hmm. and they make the decision to shut it down like on two days of the week. Yeah. So it's actually closed like on two days of the week. And um, the idea was that it would encourage people to spend time in the real world. Hmm. I like the idea because I think that it's important to spend time in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um and that there's so many things worth spending your time on in mm. the real world. Mm. Mm. But when I think about when you want to play a game and like there's a maintenance period or something and you're just like, fuck maintenance. <laughs> world of Warcraft down you know? for two hours yeah. a week and people lose their minds. Yeah. Mm. And I think part of that is probably because sometimes the only time you can play is at that time and you go to play and you can't. Mm. And it's very frustrating. Mm. Um, and so it feels like a very old man mentality or like yeah, it does. something, a, yeah. an idea that's come from someone who's not really yep. someone who plays games. Yep. Let's just limit the amount of time you can spend in the experience. And does that actually help? I don't know. Maybe it makes it worse because then you obsess over it even more mm. because you're just waiting for mm. that two days to pass yeah. when you can get back into your fix. Yeah. I think if there's if anyone had a problem with spending time like in that way where they're doing it maladaptively, the solution is not necessarily to limit their exposure to that. Mm. It's a deeper problem than that yeah, at that right. stage. Yeah. Um, and it needs to be addressed in a different way than yep. just limiting their access. Yeah. Um yeah, so it just it's like a band-aid solution, like a mm. limiting of access is is a band-aid, like a crisis fix 
yep. type solution. So it felt like a very old fashioned sentiment. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's like, um, I mean, how do you cure people from obsessive, uh, compulsive disorders? I mean, you either chuck them in a room, a barred room for three months. Mm -hmm. They go cold turkey, they get over it. They may not go back to it. They probably do. Or the other way is that the only way through that is for the person themselves to realize mm. they have a problem mm. and to stop doing it mm. you know like alcoholism or mm. things like that where it's a personal thing there's nothing you can do to change someone's behavior mm. they have to realize it themselves mm. they ultimately either kill themselves doing it or they realize this is bad i'm not <laughs> enjoying it I'm going to die if I keep doing it. I'll change and do something else. Mm. Mm. Um, so just saying to an alcoholic, for example, no, you're only having a six-pack on Mondays and Tuesdays. <laughs> the other days, nothing. Mm. And then, you know, in a week later, you can have another six-pack in Monday and Tuesdays. Mm. That's not going to help. Mm. And like you said, that's a very old man sort of... Uh, way to tackle a problem mm. Not an old man way to tackle a problem An old fashioned way to mm. tackle a problem Yeah Which is not going to solve anything mm. Yeah Yeah so I don't know if that was in the book Or if that's something that's just in the movie It's probably worth finding out mm. <laughs> Well we should probably leave it there mm -hmm. Have we said everything on Ready Player One? Sure Yeah all right. Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> All right, so thanks for listening to Game the System podcast. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is on Game the System forums at gamethesystem.co. You can also reach out to us via email at feedback at gamethesystem.co. You can reach me on Twitter at Mark's Tweet. That's at M-A-R-C-S underscore tweet. John and Matt are on the forum as Huego and BSS. Mm -hmm. You guys have also got Twitter accounts, but you generally don't promote them unless you want to right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people can find me if they want to. JagoJP. Mm. At JagoJP. Mm -hmm. And you're someone. Yeah, I don't post. It's not, don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> I just lurk. <laughs> All right, so thanks for listening, and we will see you next podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Shut up and sit down.